0: Sixty-eighth episode of Radio Free Nintendo. This is not a usual episode of Radio Free Nintendo because the RFN roster's been bit by the injury bug, you might say. Unfortunately, John could not come back, as promised, and James is also away, so we decided to recruit the best of Nintendo World Report's podcast talent, beginning with... The host of Radio Trivia, the younger plumber himself, Michael Cole.
1: The third pillar, thank you, John Lindemann. <laughs> that does not make any sense. <laughs> I'm the third pillar, even though I've been podcasting for 60 episodes? What? Unless, of
0: course, it <laughs> means that you're just going to replace all of us, uh, as the DS has replaced <laughs> everything.
2: <laughs> That's true. Or, or perhaps they'll make
0: a, a version of you with a 93% bigger screen soon. Yes! Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. So he's in, and uh, from the new newscast team, we've got Zach Miller.
3: Hello, folks.
0: And Andy Gergen. Hello, everyone. All right, now so I will uh, give you this chance first before we get underway to mercilessly promote the uh, the newscast on the show. And you could I know you've just recorded an episode. Would you like to give us a taster of what's in store? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: absolutely. We've uh, brought newscast back after a lengthy hiatus. We put out episode three about uh, two weeks ago, and we recorded episode four just last night, and I'm about halfway through editing it. should be on the site probably tomorrow. Yeah, so, so that'll
0: be going up before, by the time this goes out. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, a new course, that's keeping up with all the kind of current events that we absolutely refuse to keep up with. <laughs> well, yeah.
4: the, the, the format of the show basically is to go over the most two recent weeks of downloads on the Wii Shop channel and the DSi Shop channel and also to go over any retail releases that have happened since the last show and then we'll pick maybe three or so new stories to have a little bit of discussion on before we close it out.
0: Yeah, so it's it's a it's a nice compliment to this show as well. I've got of course a nice compliment to radio trivia which gives you something completely different again. So there really are three pillars. It's not this phony DS third pillar <laughs> that's really going to replace everything with us. And uh, our secret from an undisclosed location. <laughs> last minute addition to the show. Jonathan Metz, uh, is here, despite the fact that you've been hearing me talk for the last few minutes.
1: Greg is king. It says so on the Skype icon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Jolly, are you? You know, are you on Air Force Two? What's the deal? No, no, no. I'm I'm
5: coming to you from Sweet Home Alabama, and. Uh, I'm appearing as a uh guest, let's say. Yeah. It, yes. It's it's kind of neat cuz this is my ch- this is my chance to uh to step into Greg's shoes as he steps into mine. Yep. And uh and I get to be the what do they call it the uh, like the peanut gallery or whatever
0: it's been about been about two years since you got to do this it has <laughs> I
5: mean other than the other than a few feature segments uh, in terms of doing a whole show as not the host it's been a long time
0: and in I those days chance. you were asked to comment on things like the Prince of Persia movie and the oh, the, uh, the Hitman movie and all that sort of thing so. yeah
5: Shadow the Hedgehog <laughs> it'll,
0: be a oh, die, it'll be a little different it'll be a little different alright so yeah there we will proceed into new business Zach you're first so uh, hit us up with what you've been playing recently.
3: Uh, well, the thing I've been playing the most is the Metroid Prime Trilogy. Uh, I didn't mm. really get to sink my teeth into it till I got back from my trip, and I've been able to play all three games back to back to back, and uh, it's it's been really eye-opening. Each, mm. each game really has pros and cons, not just by themselves, but in regards to th- the other games in the series. I still think the first one can't be beat. I think that they kind of perfected it with the first one or at least they set the bar so very high that the other games yeah. couldn't possibly reach it johnny i know you like echoes but man oh man i hate that game <laughs> Ooh. I, I like the art direction i love the art direction and when you mm-hmm. get the light suit at the very end you really start i really start to enjoy it because i can start looking around at what they built and not worry about running from bubble to bubble uh But up until that point, to me it 's a whole bunch of choreboy bullshit because it 's like you have to go find this item, and then oh okay, go get this one, and otherwise you 're just wandering around aimlessly uh and then corruption it 's really middle of the road to me i I really hate the load times, I know everyone does, but it after playing through prime and echoes they 're really noticeable.
0: That's interesting, because they said something about, you know, trying to shorten them down a bit on the new release. uh, That's bullshit. I I think they they mainly
5: shortened them in the first two. Yeah.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, so what Zach says is that that, that now it's very pronounced, the
3: difference. Oh, very much so. And I also don't like the level design as much. It feels more repetitious. Even though you're Mm. traveling to different planets, like when you're on Brio or Brio or however you say it, uh, (laughs) it seems like you go through the same room five different times it's um, it's it's a T sh- it's a Y-shaped room you can go kind of to the right to a save point or to the left to continue on and that room appears like five different times
0: It's, it's, it's very much less organic in general I would say, the level design
3: I still like the art direction a lot I really love Alicia but again, oh. in Alicia it's a whole bunch of connected, identical hallways Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. like they ran well, out of ideas halfway through the game.
0: It is. I think, I think it is an issue. The the, the lesser interconnectivity. But, I mean, I think probably you know the art direction really hits apex with the third one because they got to go so. Uh, You're disparate with it, you know, and they did create these kind of cohesive kind of cultures and uh, and, and looks for the different places And that was very nice and you think they could do that
3: without having to worry about making it all fit together in some way I think they I think they really missed the boat on the pirate homeworld first off. They don't give it a name Yeah, but also it's, (laughs) it's like wandering around a military complex you don't get any sense of the geography of the planet, and that really bugged me.
0: Mm, well, I think it's a, it's a fair comment. I mean, how do you feel about the the other two in terms of the uh, the, the controls, uh, enhancing the experience or not?
3: I think they do, but I think the beam switching is a little handicapped in the first two because they weren't made to... Because it's a little slower. It's You know, yeah, you hold sure. down minus yeah. and you, you go in a direction. It's not a huge deal, but when you're up against, like... Uh, that stupid bug boss in the second game that that's a brutal fight when you have to switch beams real quick hmm. but you know I, I still think they're all great games I mean it's not like 2 is crap it's still wonderful but compared to the other ones it's not as good same with 3 I really think they set the bar too high with 1 <laughs> Hey, well, Zach, it, it? I
5: haven't uh, haven't played Echoes in the trilogy, just because I think that was the most recent one that I had played. Okay. Um, so I kind of skipped over it um, in my copy of Trilogy, um, not for the same reason that most other people skip over it. But um, huh. since you did play through it, um, I'm kind of curious, did you notice any shortening of the the load between, you know, when you switch from one world to the next?
3: Oh, Light World, Dark World. No, you can't skip that cutscene. It's no faster.
5: But And it, it hasn't shortened at all? Not at all. That's really a shame. I think that really hurts the pacing of that game. It d- it does, it does. Yeah. unnecessarily.
3: It it doesn't feel like an organic change. Well, I mean, it, clearly, it's that that little movie is to
5: mask some load times. But since the load times have presumably been shortened in the trilogy version,
0: yeah,
5: it'd be nice if they kind of shorten the movie too. Yeah,
0: definitely. Because you never—I mean, not that it was absolutely instantaneous in something like Link to the Past, but it never—you never feel as at liberty. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely significantly more irksome than that was, so that's, that's, a, that's a bit of an issue, I'd say.
1: Just use yeah. the mirror. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what is it about the third one at all that you think was eye-opening? You know, what what did the extra context of having played the first two really kind of reveal to you about it?
3: Well, I didn't mm-hmm. notice when I first played, originally played Corruption, mm-hmm. but it kind of bothers me. I di- it didn't bother me when I first played it, but after you play the first two, it really bothered me in Corruption how Samus is now part of, like, an elite force. Uh, and she's not just her own, you know, bounty hunter. She's got these four other bounty hunters who, first off, you know they're going to be bosses the second you see them. That always
2: bugged me. <laughs> you know,
3: you're in the elevator, and you're like, I'm going to have to fight him and him and her. That bugged me. But also, the, the, her relationship with the, uh, the Galactic Federation is kind of... Not well explained, you know. Right. She's for hire, but she's also kind of—I'm a part of this. Uh, I have a duty to these people, or something. It, it, they
0: kind of always skirt over that because I do, A, I don't think they think it's that important, and B, you know, it's just kind of—do they want to get mired into going into detail on it? I don't think so.
3: Yeah, it's almost—it's almost to me like the storyline hurts the game.
0: Well, I suppose that is one thing that you would see very much up against the other two is that it's it, it, there is a lot more of that stuff, you know, that's in there. There was sort of weak elements with the with the with the the uh, the Luminoth or whatever in the second one, but yeah. ultimately that was still pretty much, you know, in that Metroid
3: ballpark of you know being in a very alien place and being all alone. And what was great, yeah, what was great about the first game World. is that. There is a story, and it's a pretty deep backstory, but you have to do a lot of reading. But while you're doing it, you know, Johnny talked about this on the Super Metroid podcast. You kind of feel like an archaeologist in Metroid Prime because you're piecing together what happened to this planet. But you don't. I don't feel like that in two at all.
0: They still have the the logs, don't they?
3: They do, but I don't give a crap about the
0: luminos. Well, the third one as well, also has logs, but you just what the investment wasn't there.
3: No, the investment wasn't car? there. And besides that, you're traveling to three different planets with three different stories. They're not mm, yeah, so interconnected, sure. and you don't really get a sense of galactic interconnectedness. I guess, even though you're traveling among three or four planets in a single system
0: yeah sure it's got but essentially has less time to build up each world sure
5: i I mean as i've been playing through uh the early parts of corruption lately whenever i have a free moment i've been really impressed by how good the graphics are and i think i didn't truly appreciate how much of an upgrade the graphics are back when it first came out and i I had to review it back that's very i feel like putting it on the trilogy and like being able to play these back to back it's like whoa I mean, I it, you can really, really tell a, a pretty big goal. It, yeah,
0: graphics. I had a similar thing with like Brawl and Melee. Oh, it's not that much better. And then exactly. you, when you put them side to side, it's like, oh, no, they are that much yeah. better. You it's, know, it's, it, it's in a way, it's, it's
1: a, a compliment to the people that did the artwork for the new version that they were saying, we were able to make it really fit into the previous universe, and yet we were able to make it look better. You know, yeah. it's a subtle thing, but it's, it really is a sign of skill you know it isn't it isn't if it isn't jarring i would agree with that because absolutely totally it, the difference between the n64 smash brothers and the and the malay i mean they look completely different in my opinion
0: yes they oh, do, I mean. they do look completely different i mean with with metroprod 3 i think that's
3: probably the best one of the best things about it is the visual journey i think it's the best looking game on the system even to this day i really do
0: well is it i think there's a good argument for that definitely i mean there's a few up there you know, obviously like Galaxy and stuff, but uh, Galaxy is a little easier to do, really, You because know, it's so much more abstract and sure. colourful and everything. It, yeah, the, You have to push the boat out to make Metroid look as good as it does, I think, much more. Well, uh, we'll uh, move on uh, before we uh, get to uh, what TYP's been playing. Have you got anything else that you'd like to bring up?
3: Uh, uh, I'd just like to throw in that I, I bought Brutal Legend and I've been playing it I'm probably five hours in, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of that time's been spent wandering around just because I like to do that. Um, I haven't gotten to the full-on RTS stuff, which I'm a little scared to do because yeah, I'm not a big RTS gamer. Um,
0: I'm interested to hear. You know, the, I haven't been following this game that closely, but you know, the idea that it's got sort of RTS elements that are somehow incorporated into the action. I mean, are you, are you fully clear on how that's going to work at this point in well, the game? Well, the
3: game's been kind of uh, giving you baby steps towards it. Like, right. like just out of the blue, you'll say, you know, press D-pad up to. Tell your troops to go this way, but you're not doing it for an RTS purpose. You're like, you guys go over there for once. Uh, but you can tell that they're warming up for it, um, so they're
0: very gradually sort
3: of uh, gradually adding elements to it, wor- yeah.
0: working you into the idea a bit. You know, they're right. not going to just bring it on you. Like, you know, I guess it may demonstrate that they're perhaps a little worried about how a lot of people are going to sort of adjust or receive the idea of a of these RTS mechanics being inserted into a sort of otherwise unrelated kind of game. Now the, all that's
5: very
3: appealing to me,
2: hmm.
4: so Zach. Tim Tim Schaefer is usually known for his characters and and the humor and the writing. How does that hold up in Brutal Legend? That's
3: why I bought the game in the first place, and it holds up great. Um, all the characters are funny, uh, it, and it's not all voice acting humor. It's you know one of his uh, one of Eddie Eddie Riggs' friends says to him, "Are you looking at my sword?" Because he has his big sword in his in his hilt, and and they just show a close up of Eddie's eyes, and they're going up and down. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> you know and it, it's just humor like that that really makes it very funny so i'm almost afraid to uh get into the rts stuff because i'll get pissed off at the game because i'm the world's worst rts player
1: yeah that it sounds like you have the same concerns that i have I, i'm very interested in this game I, I'll, I'll be interested to see what, what you think of this because ever since this game was was um, announced i've been very interested in presentation and everything but You know, once I heard there's all this, like, there are three different types of gameplay in this game, I'm like, oh, God, I'm not interested. Mm,
0: Sometimes when that happens, it can come off a bit half baked, kind of
3: individual elements. The more things something does, the less well it does any one of those things.
0: But I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know whether I'd be worried about it being sort of an overload situation if it's easing you into it this much. What I would be worried about is being underdeveloped.
4: Sure. Kind of amazing to me that you're five hours into the game and you're just now starting to get to some of the core gameplay mechanics. Precisely, yeah. It really is easy. my own fault
3: because you can wander around the world and collect things, and that's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, I think I don't think I should be worried. You know, Tycho at Penny Arcade said the way to do it is to just carry a rally flag around, which which causes all your guys to go with you. He just said carry it around, hack things, and they'll kill anything you kill. So. You don't really need to bring an RTS element into it at all if you don't want.
0: Mm, Well, there you go. I I suppose it risks redundancy there, but perhaps it might be sort of a nice way of just making it all a bit brief for people that aren't amenable to that sort of thing.
3: Right, but it it worries me that that's an option at all when they want you to focus Mm. on the RTS.
0: All right, we'll, we'll move on. TYP... You're next, and uh, you've also yeah. been playing some uh, PlayStation 3 stuff. Oh,
1: well, I have. It's been a long time since I used my PlayStation 3 as an actual PlayStation 3,
0: <laughs> as opposed to two. <laughs>
1: well, as opposed to a two, or as a Genesis. But it doesn't have PS3 horsepower, maybe. But welcome um, to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I I felt kind of bad. Like, geez, I got to have a game to talk about here for the, the for the podcast, and so uh, so I, I picked up uh, Folklore, which is um i heard good things about on the ps3 it's uh it's got a really good presentation but uh the dialogue is kind of boring Uh, you know it has really interesting characters i haven't gotten very far in but you know it has like this sort of almost tim burton-esque monsters at a pub that you you visit and uh there's this really colorful world that you go into that's like the land of the dead i'm sure that there's gonna be more variety when i get further in the game but um the combat's basically the standard hack and slash, you know. Um, it, it's kind of incorporated the kind of the the Castlevania, Aria of Sorrow type: kill a baddie and you get their the essence soul. of them, They're get their soul basically, and so you can use that as your attack. Uh, so that's the basic mechanic for combat, but, you know, you get your basic slash that's like a basically, a, may as well be a sword, and you have a shield, it may as well be a shield. It, I don't know, so far it's it's pretty good. I, I'm a little worried about feeling redundant after a while, I'm only about an hour and a half in, but um, you can play as two characters, and they kind of have different angles on the story, they're they're kind of intertwined, they're both trying to, to solve the mystery. Yeah, what,
0: what is the, the general kind of outline of the plot?
1: well the the girl uh I guess she lost her memory when she was like five years old, so doesn't remember you know her mother or anything. She was in an orphanage, and so uh she's kind of into dark things, kind of into like you know the supernatural kind of stuff and, she's and she she got yeah basically and she <laughs> uh and and she gets a i guess a letter from supposedly her mother saying, "Hey, come to this creepy old town off in the middle of nowhere." And I want to talk to you, so she goes, and she finds like what she thinks is her mother and winds up being dead so so what what it comes down to is she's trying to figure out what the heck happened when she was five years old, it's apparently something that was real traumatic, and so she gets this robe that allows her to travel to the uh I guess the underworld or whatever you want to call it. I don't remember what they call it in the game, mm. but it's the world of the dead.
0: And is it is it kind of, it sounds kind of whimsical, but with that sort of darker undertone.
1: Well, that's what I wish it were. But the problem is like I mentioned oh, at really? the very beginning, the dialogue feels very bland. It just doesn't interest me that it's much. It's sort of stayed. It's, it's very stale. Yeah. Uh, and I can't really put my finger on it. Although the visual style is really good. And they have, there are some cutscenes scenes or like full cutscenes. Some are, I want to say almost like comic book or manga style, where they have it's done in three D, but they have special shading going on to you know it makes it look interesting. The presentation is really good, but but the dialogue it just it's hard to follow sometimes. I think they're trying to be kind of mysterious about it, but it comes off as being a little disorienting. (laughs) Like
5: really Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It's it's published by Sony. I, I, it is definitely Japanese. Okay. It, isn't this the game where you use the six axis to wrestle the souls out of yes. Like monsters? Yes, I'm sorry, or I should have mentioned that. Oh. Yeah, the way it works. It, isn't it
1: kind of like a Pokemon
5: or even a Cameo kind of thing?
1: Uh, I don't know if it's like Cameo, but the idea is that you slash them and in, in their skull kind of escape, escapes from their body, and so then you can yank up on the on the controller and you'll suck in their the soul. And if it's the first time you've sucked in that kind of a soul, it'll become a new weapon or or shield yeah. or whatever it is. And otherwise, it kind of upgrades that weapon. But um, I'll give it some more time. It seems really interesting. I'm, I'm thinking that I may just play as one of the characters all the way through because although you can play as these two different characters, they're kind of, at least if the introductory um, stage is, is representative the other guy's kind of trailing her and and doing very similar things. And so you're going through a lot of the same environments and the combats are pretty much the same.
0: Now, Uh, before we move on, I understand there's a little tease for next week's retroactive you've you've, uh, dipped into Shining Force 2. Yes,
1: I've played Shining Force 2 for all of, like, 15 minutes. Um, (laughs) Anything (laughs)
0: profound that could possibly substitute for the need for an entire episode on it next week? No,
1: but what I will say (laughs) is... um, I like the visual style. The music is, is really good.
0: Surprisingly good for a Genesis game. Yeah, the, so original,
1: the original had good music too. It's not as different from what I've seen so far as uh, the first one, which is disappointing to me because I, I got frustrated with the original. And mm. part of the problem is that I didn't play these kinds of games as a kid. The, the first time I really played mm, yeah. anything remotely like a turn-based strategy game was the first Fire Emblem that came out on the Game Boy Advance in America. Wow. And so I'm used to, you know, my introduction was eight or ten years after this game. And so there are some old-school things in this game that really bug me. And uh, I, I don't want to, you know, steal next week's Thunder, but I'm sure you'll go into detail on on some of the menu system and other quirks of the game
4: i have a i have a long history with the shining force franchise i played uh the the second one when it was new and i do agree that you know there's a lot of a lot of really rudimentary aspects about this game uh and none of them you know none of them bugged me when i was in middle school playing this i think what i found is actually i i grew up playing shining force and as a result games like games like fire emblem and final fantasy tactics it's too it's too complicated for me. Yeah. I, I don't want that much detail over over my party. Yeah, I either. just kind of want to have grand grand battles and Shining Force keeps it simple but lets you do that. And that's one of one of the reasons I've always liked it.
0: Yeah, well, as I make sure to say to all the listeners that you know the the forum thread is open now and uh, there'll still be uh, once this goes up uh, a number of days to still get some submissions in there that could be used for the show. So we'll certainly do that uh, as soon as you can. And yeah, I'm looking forward to getting more into this. I've only played it a trivial amount so far, so. Right.
1: But those who haven't started playing, it, it is definitely different from my Fire Emblem, um, or I guess Final Fantasy Tactics. I've never played Tactics. It, it has towns, you know, it has more dungeon-like mechanics where you're going into a dungeon to fight. It does feel a little bit more like a RPG than maybe some other games in the genre, and so I think Johnny will appreciate that.
5: Yeah, that's one reason I've never really gotten into Fire Emblem, is that it doesn't have
1: that kind of stuff.
5: You know, I like that stuff. I like RPGs, and, so. and this
1: game is more forgiving because if you die, you keep your experience points.
0: Well, so we're going to move on to Andy now. So uh, what would you like to lead off with, Andy?
5: Andy from Iowa writes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> in some ways, this is not the first time that Andy has been on the show.
4: This is my do- this is my diabolical plan to uh, not have to write letters in anymore. There we go. <laughs> yeah, th- this is this is much less effort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I've been playing a few things. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of of Scribblenauts, um, and I know mm. you guys have talked about that on the show quite a bit. So I won't. I won't get too into it. James
0: had his issues, you know, and 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 he, certainly they are shared by many. How much did you find that the concept was undermined by the execution with respect to the controls?
4: A fair amount. Maybe I've had less problems with the controls than I think maybe I expected to based on the reviews that I read before I picked it up. Yeah, I think what really kind of what really kind of undermines the game to me. There's there's two things about it that I think and, and I think James might have actually mentioned both of these things, but just to reiterate my own thoughts. The first thing that really kind of bugs me and probably my my biggest complaint with the game is that the game encourages you to try anything you could possibly think of, but then penalizes you thinking of more than a certain number of things and that really it, it really conflicts with the way i want to play the game mm. i, I want to be creative and i want to try things but the game says no you use two objects if you use more than two objects and you're not you're not doing it right. Yeah. And that's, that's what I feel when I play this game. So do anything you want, as long as it's only two things.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. because they do, I mean, there is an incentive scheme in, in there. I understand that, you know, you get like stars, essentially, for beating a level different ways using yeah. different objects. But that's over your know, different sort of playthroughs of a given stage. And so we say exactly when you're actually playing the stage itself, it's, it's, it's it putting a big constraint on your experimentation.
4: Right and you don't have to do that it's it's, it's an optional component to the game, but yeah. I find it hard to turn my brain off when when I'm playing the game like that
0: mm. I, 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 when you consider the spirit of the game you know, in general that is that is a curious thing to do
4: absolutely and the other thing that really kind of bugs me about the game is that the vast majority of the objects in the in the scribble knots dictionary are really completely irrelevant you know it doesn't matter what kind of person I put out there for the most part. There's a few that do specific things. Like I found that, you know, a mechanical push a button for you. Um, but there's no difference between the vast majority of people I put out there or, you know, yeah. it,
0: it just seems like. So it's, it's, it's pure sort of amusement value rather than yeah, functionality.
4: Right. I, I wanted more um, interaction between different types of things. And and I'm not really getting it, Uh, Mm -hmm. which isn't to say I don't like the game because I do.
3: Andy, you gotta you gotta try typing in different dinosaur names and see if it gives you just a generalized dinosaur, or if Triceratops (laughs) is like different from T-Rex. That's what I'd like to know. I
4: am on it. I will research. I'm pretty sure there are
5: several dinosaurs. Yeah, better be
4: (laughs) good. I find that because, because of the restrictions in the game, I keep going back to the same like three or four objects, even though I know there's better ways to do it. More creative ways to do it. Like, I've typed the word balloon into that game so many times.
1: This sounds really underwhelming. I'm, I'm sorry. I have, no inter- I, I have no interest in this game. It sounds like they, ha- they really had a really lofty goal, and they really just sort of little it down so they could get a product out. I think the
0: real challenge is, you know, when you do this kind of thing, and it's ostensibly about, you know, believing so much up to the play or whatever, I think... If you're going to make it a satisfying experience, what you also need is some sort of very devilishly clever ways of encouraging people to do stuff to, to make them, you know, consider possibilities that they might not have done. And yeah. it doesn't really sound like the game structure achieves that.
4: No, I, I tend to agree. Well, and if and if you're not
1: rewarded for choosing different types of people, then why are you going to bother thinking of a different kind of person, right?
3: And besides that, you can't you can't type in the only thing I'd want to type in. So. Oh. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say about that. Uh,
0: so, Andy, uh, what else uh, have you been playing lately?
4: I am a few hours, maybe three or four hours into Batman: Arkham Asylum on nice. the Xbox 360. This game is very cool. This game has been getting a lot of a lot of praise, and I would say it's it's deserved for the most part. It's you know it's primarily just an over the shoulder action game at its roots, and you can definitely tell when you're playing it that it uses the Unreal Three engine because everything is a little shiny and everything mm. everyone is pretty pretty bulked up, muscular-wise. But the game captures the feeling of Batman so incredibly well. And I'd heard it pointed out on a different podcast, I can't think of which one off the top of my head, that this game this game, feels like a Batman simulator. Because when you play this game, you really do feel like this is technically how Batman achieves all the cool things he does. Like You, you find yourself hopping around in the shadows and dropping down on top of guys, and they have no idea where you came from. They can't see you when you're Hiding, mm, yeah. like up in the rafters, and you drop down and you and you knock them out, and oh, it's man, it's, man. it's really great.
1: <laughs> so so what, what the actual gameplay is? It, is it closer to Splinter Cell? I've heard allusions to like Metroid Prime with this game. I mean, what what is the structure of this game?
4: There's a little bit of Metroid Prime uh, in that Batman has the ability to go into detective mode, and what that basically allows you to do is sort of a, sort of similar to the, the the scan visor in Metroid Prime. You can look around. It'll tell you if your enemies are armed. It'll tell you if there's an object in the environment you can interact with. It can tell you if there's a place you can grapple to. The problem with the problem with that is that you can play the entire game in detective mode if you want to. And the only thing you're really missing out on is some is the graphics basically because everything becomes like a like a tinted blue yeah. when you're <laughs> playing in that mode. Uh, and it's it's really tempting to leave that mode on all the time. I think one of the one of the coolest parts about this game is they got the voice actors from from the cartoon. They got Mark Hamill as Joker and Kevin Conroy as Batman. Mm. And although the art style is is pretty different from the Very different. animated series, <laughs> it, it it immediately feels like Batman. The the voices put you there, and there's no question in your mind that these characters are authentic, and you feel them. The writing is there. The voices are there. And, you know, the art is there, too, even if it's different a different style. Sure. Do you like oh, yeah.
3: the costume designs? Because I thought, like, Harley Quinn looks like a whore oh, now.
4: Oh, man, does she. She looks... <laughs> <laughs> she is something else. Uh, yeah, the the art in the game is phenomenal. And, you know, a, a lot of it takes place in Arkham Asylum, and you're just sort of wandering around a, a pretty generic-looking mental facility. So some of the environments aren't necessarily all that great, but the the villains are really well done the npcs are really well done and all of the all of the sort of the, the cityscape you can kind of see in the background is is really well done really they really did capture the feeling of the franchise as a whole very cool. very well
0: I am to pick this up. I was going to pick this up. I actually had an order cancelled on me because I didn't actually have it in stock. Um, but uh, I will uh, I will be getting to this eventually for the PS3. Me too. Naturally. Yeah, me too. Now, Andy, you've uh, you've been going on some sort of sojourn through the entire Zelda series uh, uh, as of late, I understand. Would you like to fill us in on, on what this uh, involves?
4: Absolutely. Um, sometime last summer, I was really bored and I was flipping through my list of virtual console games, trying desperately to find something that sounded like I wanted to play it. And I had a, a save state from Zelda. I think when I had first bought the game, maybe a year earlier, I hadn't touched it in a long time. And I thought to myself, hey, I should finish that. That's not really that long of a game. So I picked it up and played it for a few hours. And by the end of that playthrough, I decided, you know what, I'm going to play through the entire franchise. I'm going to start here and I'm going to go to the end. So I, I, I made a list on my blog at the time of all the titles in the franchise that I wanted to play through. And I ran it through the, through the, the, the forums and they convinced me to add a few more because I was actually going to skip uh, min- Minish Cap since I had recently already played through it. Yeah. And uh, they, I think un- Uncle Bob from the forums convinced me to add Four Swords Adventures. Excellent game. So yeah, I, I started last summer and I've been, you know, I played through the first two really, really quickly. I was actually playing through the second one right when you guys were doing the the retroactive for that game, which yeah,
1: a few worked, worked out. Did you Did you play both quests for the first one? No, I did not. I oh, see, the, see the you got to go it's back hardcore. then because uh, <laughs> yeah. the first quest is really hardcore. It's really good. It's good and evil at the same time.
4: One One thing I've been very clear on is that this is not really an attempt to either a complete the the games because I'm I'm not. I'm not a completist. I'm not going to find every heart piece. I'm not going to find every oh, every bug in Twilight Princess. I'm not going to find every Sculchula. I'm not interested in completing the game. I because it really at that point it would just boil down to reading an FAQ while I play, and that's not fun. To right.
3: Make. Andy, did you beat Zelda two? Oh, absolutely. You're I did. a better right. man than I. Oh, my gosh.
4: Yeah, that's impressive. I've beat that game a number of times. Oh, yeah. I, I'm I'm a I'm a big Zelda two proponent. I think the game is right is on, underrated.
1: I, I agree. Yeah. Perhaps awesome. over
4: critiqued. And you know the 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 playthrough of the the series went quickly right until I got up to Link's Awakening, which which was the first of the of the series that I had only really touched a little bit, and and I had beaten Link's Awakening, but not since like 1995. So right. uh, it took a long time, and maybe maybe a couple glances at an FAQ to to make, make my way through that one, and then of course. Ocarina of Time is no small task, but I made it through that, and I decided to, instead of playing Ocarina and Majora back-to-back, and then Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages back-to-back, I decided to mix those up a little bit, and I went from uh, Ocarina into Oracle of Seasons, which is mm. where I am at. Uh, currently, I'm on the, the seventh dungeon of Oracle of Seasons. Oracle of Seasons
0: began life as a remake of the original Zelda. Did it? Uh, yeah, yeah you can did. see
1: some, yeah, some, I remember that some of the bosses um, are kind of holdovers from that. Yeah, well, I was going to say,
0: uh, and having been in the position of been playing them relatively close together, not exactly side by side, of course, because of all the games in between. But uh, did you see any uh, you know, obvious kind of uh, signature holdovers from between the two?
4: There are some touches. Um, some of the some of the bosses are the same. Uh, some of the dungeon maps, I think. I, th- I want to say the first dungeon map is maybe even a mirror of the first dungeon from the first game. Right. But what I'm really finding is that I'm I'm not enjoying Oracle of Seasons as much as I was expecting to enjoy, and any Zelda title really. It seems to me that right around the time of Oracle of Seasons, uh, well, I guess maybe starting even with Link's Awakening, and, and to some extent, or Ocarina of Time, the game gets way more linear. And I know that's not a surprise to anybody because Zelda's always been, since you know, at least since the 3D era, a pretty linear title, but. Even in even in *Link's Awakening* and *Ocarina of Time*, there was a lot of things you could do that were independent of everything else in the game, yeah. uh, like the bomb chew target thing and the and the target practice. But it just seems to me like I spend most of my time in *Oracle of Seasons* wandering into something that I can't do yet, and it's really kind of infuriating. That's to do the
3: way that. I feel about *Metroid Prime* too.
1: Yeah, it's a valid complaint. I think uh, *Oracle of Ages* uh, maybe doesn't have that problem quite as much. Because uh, Oracle Seasons has like that the season rod or whatever it is, and and the, like, the four seasons are are there's one... basically
4: four overworld maps. So you have to revisit every corner of the every corner of the overworld map four times to really kind of figure out what to do next. That would
3: drive yeah. me crazy.
1: Yeah, age, age is a little more streamlined, and, and since there's also the the time difference, there's some interesting things in terms of the time travel aspect too. I, I think. You might enjoy Ages more. I don't know if you have you played Oracle of Ages or Oracle of Seasons before. I
4: have played about. I played about half of Seasons before, and I've never really played much of Ages at all. These are sort of my yeah. Zelda pile of shame at the moment here. Well,
0: I mean, I've played. I played Ages. I, I like that one a lot. Yeah. I, think, I, I think the dungeons are very good as well. I mean, the, I the, liked
4: the, Ages. I, I really
1: recall liking Ages a lot more than Seasons, and
0: it always struck me as being more interesting, which is why it's the one I've played. Frankly, that's <laughs> the one I have not played. Oh really? Just yeah,
1: Chance.
4: I mean, there's no doubting that the that the, uh, the the gameplay is good in this. I mean, the gameplay is good. The dungeon design is good. The the map it's it's very tightly put together. I mean, it feels like a well made game. I and I'm not sure. Maybe it's just franchise fatigue at this point to to a certain extent <laughs> well, as well. Yeah,
0: that would be understandable under the circumstances.
4: I'm really looking forward to hitting up Majora's Mask after this. No, oh, yeah, definitely. Well,
0: I'm gonna move on to what I've been playing now, and uh, this is just came out in Japan, sort of in time for. Halloween, I guess, uh, this week, is Castlevania The Adventure Rebirth. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no. It's not for uh, everyone, apparently. No. No. Me. Yeah. So, I uh, you know you've expressed your distaste for it. I'll move on. Uh, the So, yeah, this is uh, not really a remake of Castlevania The Adventure, uh, in the sense that, from certainly what I've observed of looking of that game uh, online I hadn't, I didn't play it uh, back in the uh, early days of the Game Boy but uh, this doesn't really bear much resemblance to it there's a little few sort of th- things taken here and there like certain sort of enemy types and uh, see, uh, certainly the abundance of rolling eyeballs all over the place <laughs> is uh, is something that's carried over from that
3: Are the environments carried over?
0: No the, the, the environments are very much more what the sort of typical Castlevania environments like from the first one that have mm-hmm. then reappeared in subsequent Castlevania. Yeah. So you can expect to see you know where I'm up to for is spoiler alert the clock tower. You know, massive <laughs> <laughs> spoiler. It's it's uh, it's, you know, no, it's almost not worth even thinking about it coming out in America now. And then you know you've got like stuff like the dungeon kind of environment that you often get, or then like a sort of chapel kind of environment. Oh. I mean these are things you've yeah. seen in, in, in you've seen in plenty of other Castlevania, but probably not Castlevania the Adventure, <laughs> funnily enough. So how uh, was the
4: difficulty level?
0: Um, well the difficulty level is interesting because in many it's ways hard. this is this is pure old school castlevania in the sense that you can't, can't be
3: any harder than the original
0: well yeah i'm I sure it isn't uh because uh, certainly it plays really quite fluidly and all that and the biggest diff, in most respects is very similar to the old school castlevanias in that the, the uh, when i say old school i mean the oldest like the original in the sense oh, yeah. you don't have multi-directional whipping like castlevania 4 you have just the four sub weapons and things like that. It's, you don't have any sort of special little sort of moves like you did with R- uh, Richter and Dracula X. It's uh, it's just you know linear whipping and all that sort of stuff. But what you do have that you didn't have in the, in like Castlevania One is very comprehensive control over your movement in the air, hmm. which does make it considerably easier.
5: Oh, absolutely. That's interesting. It isn't the
0: sort of you know the the ghouls a ghost type. Yeah, you know, which, which, and I mean, really, it's more comprehensive control than you had in Castlevania four and Dracula X, which you, where you kind of could affect it somewhat, oh. but this is not quite Mario, but it's it's not far off. Right. But what it gives you is the option to turn that off and actually play it to the classic style if you want. That's
1: weird. <laughs> so how do you balance the game like that? I mean,
0: Well, it, I think uh, from what I've played of it, uh, playing with the ability to control your jumps in the air, I think it's fair to say that it would just be incredibly difficult when playing it the old school <laughs> way. Because the fact is, it is much busier. Than those 8 bit Castlevanias, because as you might expect, you can push a lot more enemies around and all the hazards wow. and things, certainly, than you could do on the Game Boy. Um, and, you know, there, there is a lot going on. It plays very sort of smooth and, and fast for a Castlevania game, it's usually very stodgy. But th- this is, you know, it's not blistering, but it's uh, it moves in a d- decent clip. And visually, it's all, it's, it's, if you've seen Contra Rebirth, you should know what to expect because it is pretty much exactly the same sort of design principles applied to Castlevania. It's very colourful, almost garish, really. I mean, there's a, <laughs> there's a number of times where you actually see the night sky around Dracula's castle, and at no point is it anything approaching black. It's, it's, it's sort of blue and purple and all these different colours, but not actually the colour of night. And, you know, you've got... The enemies are all very colourful and all this sort of thing. So well, it kind Dra- of looks lo- more like Dracula
1: yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I I recently uh, purchased Dracula X to to justify having a Japanese Wii. <laughs> <laughs> There's
0: plenty of other good reasons to uh, yeah. To I, use I know. The Japanese I, Wii. I haven't
1: been. Dust- I just dusted it off, and I, I gotta say, I have trouble listening to your opinion of of this particular release, and saying and you're saying it's good because. I this was my second chance at classic Castlevania, and I just hate the I hate the formula. I hate the difficulty. I hate the controls. The controls are horrible. I'm sorry. Well, the difficulty. You have is to push. Staggering. You have to push up and down to go down the the stairs in such a way that it's not intuitive. Oh, like I you, agree. Yeah. If if you fall, you can fall through the stairs if you don't push down. Yep. If you're on an upper ledge, I, there's just so many little things about this game that that piss me off. I'm like out the window like I, I gave up on the second boss I'm like I, I can't play this game I cannot play this game <laughs> and I just wasted 600 Japanese points that I could have put towards like Mylon's Doki Doki Panic or whatever <laughs> <laughs>
0: I would say the thing with these old, these particular kinds of Castlevania games, and the interesting thing about this, of course, is that it is the first original game in this vein. You've had stuff like Castlevania Chronicles and things like that, which was a remake of the X68000 version or this, that, and the other. But this is really the first original old school, you know, pre Symphony of the Night Castlevania that you've had for a very. Long time,
3: and I'm ha- yeah. I'm really happy about that. i I for one I'm kind of sick of the Metroidvania formula.
0: Well, they've certainly been you know, quite numerous, and so you have. If and you they, have, well,
3: they
5: did back the hell up off it with Ecclesia. I mean, that's more old school.
0: It's than... more old school, but... but, but yeah, I, I mean, think I'm, there's
5: still a huge difference. There
0: is a very big difference, most prominently in the area of level design, where there really isn't much to to speak of in parts of Order of Ecclesia, whereas here, I think the level design is is actually really quite good. And, and the other thing about it is that it, it does take some cues from Dracula in that it has some multiple kind of roots and stuff. In fact, it kind of expands on the mm-hmm. idea of having locked doors and keys, which is sort of non specific, you can kind of carry them over as a sub weapon essentially hmm. and, and use them wherever you like. But where it differs from Dracula X is that you don't have multiple levels, but it's just you can take essentially a different path through a given level and, and then end up fighting the same boss at the end. Huh. Uh, and it, so it does make it more interesting when you're playing it through, or playing a level through for for you know, a, a multiple occasion, because you can go different ways, find little secrets, you know, extra lives. Maybe you'll fight a different mini boss that you didn't see when you went through it the one way. So it's not; it's a little less straightforward. That
3: is more like uh, Dracula X. It's
0: it certainly is than, than say the original Castlevania, uh, and so it, it's a little less straightforward than I was expecting. You because know, certainly like with with Contra, you know, it's very no free you know it's just like which was fine know I in mean, you know for, for what it is all that action kind of thing this is a little more sort of uh, developed than that i think and and in general the the levels are good the bosses are good and and you know the, the graphic style is simple but it's very lively. So it's pretty well animated. They use lots of sprite scaling and mode seven kind of things to, to articulate a lot of the baddies and stuff like that. And, you know, you do get, you know, genuinely sort of massive screen-filling bosses at times without any slowdown or without the background mm-hmm. having to go black and all the kind of crap that went on in the 60-bit. So, <laughs> so it looks like a 60-bit game, essentially. It looks you know, quite a lot like Bloodlines as well as Dracula X. Oh, the, yeah. the Genesis version. It, uh, and in fact... Uh, on that subject, the music. Sounds almost exactly like Bloodlines. Oh, I was about to ask about the music. Yeah, for whatever reason, for all these rebirth games, the developers M2 have basically gone with a very Genesis-sounding synth for all of them. And you know, mm-hmm. when he was in Gra- when he was in Gradius, it kind of just sounded like the arcade Gradius games. So it's like, well, okay, well, this makes sense. And then Contra, you know, it was like, well, it still sounds like that, but now it just reminds me of Mega Drive Contra, and now it's applied to Castlevania. Like, oh, it me well, of, of
5: you know, in Japan, M2 is famous for doing the Sega Ages series. Um, yeah, which is sort of a very pared-down uh, approach to the Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection or whatever. So yeah. The yeah. Um, where Where well they'll f- they'll focus on one series at a time so maybe they'll do um i don't know all the fantasy series. they
0: did all the stuff. treasure games right the treasure box right
5: yeah 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 but they don't just straight up emulate them they actually tune the emulators very very specifically to each game they put in tons of like crazy like really obscure background information international in
0: versions it. as well yeah
5: like every possible version of uh fantasy zone that has ever been released you know like yeah. some they they do some I mean they're they are crazy hardcore collectors items and they're really super quality, impeccable emulation and everything. Um and, and the the trade off is that you only get three or four games per Disc, per yeah. set instead yeah. of 50 you know but um, <laughs> yeah. I just wonder I mean maybe the reason that the music all sounds kind of Genesis like that, that is
0: their milieu essentially right
5: right that's what they're used to working I, with,
0: absolutely and, and I think the biggest thing is like I said it, it fits fine with Gradius kind of fits alright with Contra it is not such a comfortable fit with Castlevania and I think mm-hmm. Castlevania, I think of the sort of gothic grandeur Castlevania right. of something like Castlevania 4 or Symphony of the Night. There's also the more arcade fun kind of thing of something like Dracula X very synthy. but obviously that's that's higher quality since that was a CD yeah. game. So this is a bit of an uncomfortable kind of medium. I mean, the tunes are still fun. I think they're all drawn from past Castlevania games although some of them quite obscure, including the abhorrent arcade Haunted Castle Oh. Uh, uh, is, is apparently is uh, drawn from in terms of the music. So yeah, it's not it's not wonderful music or anything. It's kind of solid. I, I do wish they hadn't gone with with. The, I almost wish, in fact, that rather the Genesis style, they'd gone eight bit style. I've mm-hmm. talked before about how wonderful yeah. Castlevania 3's music is in the Japanese v- version with all the extra instruments and right. the six channels or whatever. And if they just did that, you know, again, I, I it's sort of more of a Mega Man Nine kind of approach. I would. I probably would have preferred that. To, maybe it's my old Nintendo uh, sort of zealotry showing through. From as a child, I just have this aversion to the sound of the Mega Drive. Oh. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't think it's a great fit.
3: Do they cannibalize any uh, assets from previous Castlevania games? And I'm
0: glad you brought that up because the, the interesting thing is, is that this. Has almost all original assets.
3: Oh, thank God. It's about time.
0: There are a few old favorites. I'm looking at you, Flea Man. Yeah, I've seen you before. (laughs) Oh, God, (laughs) Flea
2: Man.
0: But it's mostly new. And uh, I'm not sure I like the art that much. It's a bit cartoony. Bit comic booky again. Not sure it's as good a fit here as it was with Contra, but it is nice to see a different merman, I suppose.
3: <laughs> it's starting to sound. It's starting to sound graphically like Bloodlines, which was a little. It more is. A lot, it is
0: a lot like Bloodlines, but but just probably a bit. The colour palette is better, but the the kind of way they use it is is very similar.
3: I wish they'd put Bloodlines on the Virtual Console, because that's one I never played all the way through.
0: Yeah, I've never
5: played it. Is that the Genesis one? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bloodlines is yeah, great. I've never even seen Bloodlines it. Bloodlines
0: and Contra Hardcore, both Konami, your big franchise <clears throat> games on the Mega Drive slash Genesis, haven't come out. Also, I mean, I don't know what what's going to happen with Rocket Knight now that they do in the new version. Mm. But... Oh,
5: God, I pray that they release both... Versions of it, both because of, they're, they're
0: different games. Yeah,
5: yeah, they are different games, and they're both really, really good.
0: Yeah, I, I want to get in on that. I mean, I, I don't and know. I'm very
5: th- excited about the Rocket Knight remake, but I'm more excited that I'm hoping it'll come to Virtual Console as a cross
0: promotion. That would be great, but unfortunately, like the Bionic Commando situation doesn't set a good precedent for that happening because we no, did not it's, see. No, but
5: Capcom it. kind of hinted at the time that maybe there were special problems with Bionic Commando. Yeah, and, and we it, it very likely had to do with Hitler. It could have been emulation technical issues, it could have been, you know, Capcom headquarters being morally opposed to...
0: Well, some people suggested it was about Nintendo getting pissy, that if if it was going to be on something else, they didn't want to sort of cross-promote it, essentially, but I don't know. That's that's very, very foolish. That's speculation, I think, at best. It's very
5: foolish.
3: By the way, the new Bionic Commando sucks. Thanks for that.
5: Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, 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 you're talking about the, uh, the, the disc version, because Rearm, the, the remake of the original, is incredible. I've got to
0: download that, because I've never played that game.
5: Greg, you will love it oh, so much. I know. I, I
0: do get that's, uh, that's one of many things on PSN that I have to get yeah. to. Oh, you will shortly. freak out about how much you love it. Well, I mean, I guess to wrap up on Castlevania: The Adventure Rebirth it is if, you've, if you're familiar with the Contra one, just think that applied to Castlevania, but actually done pretty well. I, I would say overall, if obviously you've got to be amenable to this style of game, it's not yes. trying to far from trying to rewrite the rule book, It really is. Although I think the 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 controlling the jumps in the air thing does make it more playable more accessible oh, yeah. because it's a lot easier to dodge stuff and things like that but generally it's you know it's one for the fans you know I haven't had this kind of game for a while and it's it's pr- it's pretty good and actually not that short I think it's got to oh. be the beefiest of the rebirths yet so uh, yes. probably maybe justifying that thousand point price tag a little better than some of the others. All right, we'll move on to Johnny, finally, to conclude us in the, this section. Sure. Well,
5: real quick, I do want to say, Castlevania The Adventure Rebirth, second worst name of the year.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> bad.
5: Super Mario Bros. Wii. I, I, yeah. 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 I,
0: I don't understand why they just didn't call it Castlevania Rebirth. I mean, apparently, <laughs> they, um, apparently, it was when it was released this week, it was literally the 20th anniversary of Castlevania The Adventure. Interesting. So hmm. I don't know whether they are that driven by the calendar. That, that was that was the entire reason for wow. sort of...
1: We'll, we'll sell ten more copies if we throw in this reference. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, how obscure is that? Especially because of the <laughs> connotations that that one was, was basically shit. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's really bad, because it's nothing
1: like it. it you were really just isn't. trying to rewrite history. Maybe they're just trying to- yeah, it's like, yeah, it was good, honest. <laughs> it's a retcon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, well, yeah, Johnny, please, take it forward. Oh,
5: sure. Well, where do I begin? Um, You know, last week I talked about Lost wins 2. And I did finish that shortly after we recorded the podcast. And, um, I mean, the, the game is definitely not lengthy. Uh, mm-hmm. I, my total playtime is like four hours and 15 minutes. Gee. And I'm fine with that. I think for $10, that's totally reasonable. Uh, it is an excellent experience throughout. And, uh, I, I mean, I think part of, you know, it is somewhat based on the Metroid-style structure where you get new abilities and you go explore somewhere. And now you can get to that one room you couldn't get to before. Yeah, But... I, Actually, even beyond that, I feel like the game does a really surprising job of making the core gameplay feel different from start to finish. It it goes through phases. I mean, in the beginning, you don't have a, a winter coat. And you're and you're in this winter world basically, and uh, and you're freezing. So you're kind of going from safe zone to safe zone with these torches. A little bit like Metro. But, in yeah, two I was echoes.
0: gonna say. Um,
5: and, and that part is short lived. It's short lived, but it works um, because you're always thinking about. It's not as simple as just shooting a, a safe zone across the room and then running over there. Uh, in a lot of cases, because it's fire based, you're you're hiding under these torches, and so you have to figure out a way to use the wind to bring fire to you. So that you can move on. So it's very puzzle-based still, which is you know obviously where the game's strengths lie. And then you know later on, uh, it's a little. It plays more like the first one, uh, where you're solving all these puzzles. You're very highly mobile with the, with the wind and everything. Um, obviously, I, I'm still annoyed that you can't just jump because it, it seems like the platform placements a lot of a lot of times are placed just far apart that you have to gust twice to get to it. Right. And I don't really see why they would do it that way uh it, it just ends up making moving around a little more annoying than it should be it just mm-hmm. never feels quite as fluid um and, and that's upsetting to me although at some point you get a cape that lets you glide and that actually helps quite a bit with the platform placements and everything um but then towards the end of the game i'm not going to spoil it but it ends up getting into this weird kind of buddy thing where you're sort of controlling two characters and in a, in a more in a very puzzle way, you know, not anything intense action. It's not like an escort mission or anything like that. Oh but um you're you're kind of controlling two different characters and using them to cooperate and solve puzzles together. So it's like yet again the game sort of takes on a very different feel.
3: Is it like Wind Waker?
5: Um no.
3: Is is it is like Spirit Tracks?
5: I, no it actually is probably it is probably a little more like spirit tracks but um, I haven't played enough of spirit right. tracks to really say I'm that. Sure.
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean I, I like the idea of games that do keep changing it up especially more towards the end because often that isn't you <laughs> yeah. know often games sort right. of you know blow their wad in terms of ideas but to about the halfway point and then it's uh, various regurgitations or you know iterations of what you've seen before right. at that point.
5: And the nice thing is the final boss of Lost Ones 2 is really really clever and and interesting interesting and and it's very much leveraged on this kind of new gameplay that you've come into late in the game.
0: Well, that's definitely good because again, but by um, then
5: you've learned how to do all that stuff, you know, so it's like put it put it to use.
0: With uh with the final bosses they so often feel a bit of a a sort of exhale at the finish rather than a right. big, triumphant sort of... Uh, or, a ju-
5: or just a grind. You know, like a lot of Final Fantasy final bosses, they're just like, it. you beat it like you beat everything else in the game, but it just takes an hour. Twice as long. <laughs> <laughs> so Nobody right. wants to do that,
2: you know?
0: Uh, certainly length with final bosses is an issue, sort of uh, the duration equals epicness or whatever formulation that goes into them. <laughs> yeah. and I think it's it's got to have misgu- five
1: different forms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, quite that's, misguided that's sometimes, I think. Uh, so, uh, the next item for you, Johnny?
5: Oh, sure. Um, I went on a game-purchasing bonanza over the weekend. You know, Best Buy had this buy two, get one free. And so, of course, <laughs> I walked out of there with four games, because that makes sense. <laughs> oh, um, <switch. laughs> yeah, I should have bought one more, and then I could have gotten two more. Something like that. Anyway, um, I I went in there thinking I'd get a couple DS games because I'm I'm obviously traveling right now, and I've got more travel. I'm going to be traveling to Germany at the end of the month, uh, which I'm very excited about. So I wanted to pick up Mario Luigi three and maybe my German coach if they happen to have it or something like that. um, Got there and found out the deal doesn't apply to DS games or PSP games. So I had to pick up three console games, which I wasn't really prepared to do, so I had kind of a James moment when I where I'm just browsing. I was like, How long <laughs> no. has it been since I went into a game store and just went browsing?
2: Look at the you box, which is
5: really strange. So I of course I still had to get Mario and Luigi three because I want to play it really bad, so I oh, just yeah. paid for that one outside of the deal and then I also picked up Uncharted One and Two. Mm-hmm. Um because it was a good deal. And uh, and I got Wii Sports Resort with the two... I got the bundle with two Motion Pluses. So, um, Resort, I haven't played really extensively yet. There's actually still a few modes in it that I just haven't touched at all yet. Yeah. Um, but some of them I've played a fair bit. I had some friends over for dinner earlier this week, and, and they really were excited to play it. They really liked it a lot. Immediately, they're talking about, we got to get this. They wanted to know what the Motion Plus does, and I tried to explain it. I mean, it's not that they... Wouldn't understand it. But I just feel like such a geek, you know, talking yeah, about you know. gyroscopes and rotation and you know degrees of freedom and stuff like this. And but at the same time, if you just say, "Well, it makes the motion better," that doesn't really convey yeah. either. No, I
0: think does. I think demonstration and, is the best. Uh,
5: yeah, just give it to them. Just let them use it. And yeah, they'll be like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, they were they were laughing that it had table tennis. They're like, well, the first one had real tennis. Why would you want to play table tennis? I was like, I don't know. Let's boot it up and try it because I hadn't played it yet. And we just were immediately addicted to it. I mean, we love it. it. It's really yeah. good, I think,
0: uh, the table tennis.
5: I love
1: how, like, I've owned this game for, since it came out pretty much, what, two months, a month? July. July? Okay. So I've owned it for a long time, and Johnny's probably played it more than I have uh, <laughs> in his like, first few days. Well, it's definitely, as you might imagine, a multiplayer yeah. level. It's better it's... when you have more people. Exactly. That's the problem.
5: Yeah, We we were very impressed with the bowling also. I didn't really want to play bowling, but my friend did, and so we booted it up and did a little two player. I like the, uh, um...
0: the spin control bowling.
3: Right. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> the bowling is much the bowling is better and it's my favorite game on that disc
0: it, it does feel better and when you play the spin control mode where basically you know you always have obstacles and so you can't just bowl the same way every time I and mean, that's what i found with with the, with the original wii sports with bowling is i just sort of got a, a sort of little gimmicky kind of technique that i could replicate every time I, and um... you know you, you could do very very well with that whereas a the subtlety in the motion plus controls kind of makes that less doable in the first right.
5: place. Well, or it would just take more skill to do it, which is what real professional bowlers do.
0: Yes. Uh, and then if you play the spin control mode where you force sometimes the ball from the left, sometimes from the right, and there's timing involved and this, that, and the other, and you really have to use the spin and the, it, you can't just replicate that same motion time again. So it just makes it more dynamic. It's more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of has a... What it does is it have like If you do poorly on one throw... That it will then have lesser obstacles on the next one. So there's a bit of natural catch up going on as well. So well, it's the GRE. It's that <laughs> as, Johnny, me crazy. as Johnny discussed last <laughs> yeah. week. So it's, uh, But I think that's a really, uh, you know, there's kind of a subtle thing in there. You might not even think to give it much of a go on the face of it, but it's actually really cool uh, little mode.
5: I'll have to try that. Um, I, I think the favorites so far are archery. Definitely oh, yeah. a lot of fun. That mode seems really fascinating because definitely probably the most difficult to grasp how to do it correctly and and I mean even on beginner mode we're yeah. like oh man this is hard yeah so we and we jumped to expert and it got really crazy so um I think we're going to spend a lot of time in that one and then oddly enough dog fighting I've heard, really? not really heard anything good about dogfighting. I didn't but like
3: it. It's so slow.
5: I wasn't even that eager to pick it up, but my friend wanted to do it, and we ended up pe- playing it three or four times. I mean, he was really intent on beating me, and he never did. No. Um, oh. Yeah. A, and I, I, and I don't even think I'm that twice. good at it. It's just I, I've played Star Fox, you know.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, th- uh, did you try the Frisbee Golf? uh yeah we did and we like that too actually i like the frisbee golf it was pretty good
5: it's a bit goofy in that you're playing it on a real golf course because although some of the designs are interesting a lot of what goes into designing a golf course is irrelevant in frisbee golf i mean if you (laughs) it In a sand trap it doesn't matter because you're not hitting it out of the sand you're just picking it up and throwing it like you would anywhere else so unless you get behind a tree it doesn't really matter where the frisbee lands maybe that's good considering
4: how difficult it is to really aim on target but <laughs> yeah. we threw out of bounds a lot <laughs> specifically to tiger woods 10 and i haven't played Wii sports resort yet much to my own chagrin uh i was really impressed that motion plus allowed for multiple different types of throws of the frisbee i don't know how much you guys are familiar with different throws but you have an overhead like a hammer throw where you turn the fr- frisbee upside down and kind of throw it like it's a hammer
5: I mean, I haven't tried that in resort.
4: Yeah, the, yeah, the 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 forehand throw where you sort of put your finger on the inside of the uh the lid of the frisbee and and fling it with a with your wrist and I was really surprised that all three of the the common throws in frisbee worked really pretty well in uh in Tiger Woods.
0: No, it's he's very well done in Tiger Woods. I've I haven't really messed around with it much in Sports Resort as a consequence of having Tiger Woods.
5: And uh I haven't picked up Uncharted Two yet. I wanted to play through the first one and I was taking a bit of a gamble, you know, it kinda hurt people on both sides of the fence as to whether you should even bother playing the first one yeah. before you go to the sequel and, and I figured, well, it's basically free. Uh, I was gonna rent it, but if I can get it for free and actually own it, that's even better. Plus sure. it'll be a brand new copy and everything. So, um that's what I did. It, you know, it's basically thirty bucks, thirty dollar game for free from Best Buy. And um I'm actually loving it. I'm actually uh, kind of head over heels for the first Uncharted. I still haven't even put the second one in yet, and I'm already kind of really, really, really excited to play the second one. And uh, I haven't finished Uncharted 1 yet, but, um, you know, I, I complained a lot about the demo that was on PSN. And, and the interesting thing is that that demo is, you know, clearly it's actually in the game.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, it's
5: fairly early in the game, but you've been playing for an hour or two by the time you get to it. And, um it, it, it does play exactly the same when you play it in the real game, but the difference is it's in context. I mean, you've learned how to approach the bat, the combat. You've learned how to approach the platforming by that point. Right. You're used to the controls. You're used to the guns. You know what the deal is. You know how to handle it. And, you know, that part's still tough. I, I actually died a couple times getting through it. I died Yeah, throughout the game, really. And it it restarts you very, very close to where you died. But I I just when I actually got to that part in the game, I was like, oh, man, here's that part I've actually played before. But I I didn't really have that much trouble getting through it. And it didn't bother me. It just makes more sense when you're playing, you know, when it's tied together with everything else. I I just think it it doesn't come off very well. It doesn't leave a very good impression the way they the way they slice it out of there for the demo. Mm -hmm. But that that game is incredibly beautiful. It is um, I mean, the way people are talking about the sequel, I don't even know what to expect anymore because playing the first one, I'm like, this is one of the best looking games I've ever played, and this game is two years old yeah they're, they're just places where you look out across the water and you can see islands you know across the bay or whatever, and
3: yeah, on top of the castle, right isn't that cool? It's just ridiculously
5: good. and looking. the sun
3: is shining down on you and yeah the, and the, yeah, it's and the just water sick. effects are
5: incredible. That, that the, the game is uh, the the production values are ridiculous. Just
0: actually uh, seeing the power of the PS3 in action, rather than just you know additional so, yeah. Yeah, additional so. screen tearing on Unreal Three games. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Screw that! I'm playing
5: tearing.
4: Shining Force Two on mine.
5: There, there is actually a little screen tearing in Uncharted, but
4: it's not bad. Mm. This game is definitely going to be one of the first ones I pick up when I get a PS3. I don't have a PS3 yet. I'm probably another, maybe a year away from getting one still, just by virtue of mm. having too much other stuff to buy. But the two yeah. Uncharted games, I've heard enough good things about them that they'll be among the first games I pick up for the system.
3: Worthy purchases. Yeah. So, uh,
5: yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, when, as soon as I get back, as soon as I get home. I'll be finishing that one up and uh, jumping immediately into 2. And, of course, the other game I picked up uh, is Mario & Luigi 3, or Bowser's Inside Story. And, you know, we've talked about this a good bit. I don't want to spend much time on it, but uh, I have been playing it on travel, and I love it. Um, I, I agree with really everything Greg said about it, uh, I think, last week or the week before. And, you know, I think the, the one thing Greg said that I really want to emphasize is that there's something really nice about how... The Mario and Luigi segments and the Bowser segments feel very, very different. And it and it adds some much needed variety to the game that I think was really lacking in the previous game, Partners in Time. And part of it is that the characters behave very differently. Part of it is that the the Mario and Luigi stuff is all side scrolling, whereas the Bowser's more mm-hmm. the isometric stuff. Um, and it and it removes a lot of those problems with jumping in isometric view. That yeah, that kind of because play yeah. because he does, because he doesn't jump. You don't have to do you don't have to deal with that stuff anymore, which is really nice. The, even the combat, although the combat is probably the most similar part between the two, yeah. it does feel distinctly different with Bowser once you finally start doing some combat with him.
0: And, of course, um, the special attacks are different.
1: Uh, from... uh, since I'm the kind of guy, I say this in, in uh, spoiler territory here, but in Radio yeah. Trivia I, I, uh, I use this game. <laughs> and uh, I think after a while they, the Mario and Luigi and Bowser combat gets a little blurred in my mind. And it starts mm. to feel a little repetitive. And one thing I noticed, and I'll be curious to see your your guys' opinion, is I feel like the the baddies are a little repetitive. I feel like in any given area, there's only like two different types of oh, I bad guys, agree. and it kind of gets old.
5: That problem has plagued the entire series. Yeah, I mean, it it, has, there's. Uh, I, there, I, I, I agree
0: with Johnny on this. so I didn't notice any difference with that, and I and I, I agree that it is an issue as well. I I, I think yeah. there is too much repetition, but. Equally, yeah, I I distinctly remember thinking the same thing, playing some of the other ones, uh, because, you know, it it does get to be a bit of a routine, really, uh, you know, uh, to beat the same ones over and over again in times. But what I will say is that the, the combat is sort of eminently avoidable. Because yep. there isn't much True. of an imperative to to grind up the levels, uh, because it's it's kind of more skill based. How well you do in the combat and stuff, and uh, of course you know the, the the battles are not random. You see the enemies, you can you know bypass them. So if it gets to a point, It's certainly I kind of played as many battles up until the point that maybe I felt like okay, you know I've done this enough now, and I feel like I've I've leveled up enough. So I, I, I you know now I'll start avoiding them, and I yeah. did. So I, I mean that that. Is one of the reasons why I like it uh, better than certain other RPGs is because it gives me that option.
3: Right. I thought there were times for the bosses were made far too easy because once you know how to abuse the special attacks, it's very easy to inflict massive amounts of damage, especially with Bowser. Giant enemy crabs. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would disagree with that necessarily. It's, it's not a difficult game in general, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. That. So, it
5: probably shouldn't be, you know? Yeah, for someone like it's me, it's not... a personal game, I mean... It's, yes,
0: it, it's, it's not, like, stern-faced or anything, you know, so I guess the difficulty comports with that very well.
5: Well, the, the, the writing is very funny. I'm actually really glad to... I haven't listened to that episode yet, Mike, but I'm really glad to hear that you use this on Radio Trivia. I think the music is fantastic. And the interesting thing about the music, maybe you talked about this with James, is that it reminds me a lot of other classic RPGs like Chrono Trigger and some of the old Super Nintendo Final Fantasies. Hmm. It's not really... Some of the music is not what I would expect to hear out of a Mario and Luigi game, and I like it's that. It's a bit
0: less distinctly Mario-flavored yeah. than previous ones. You think about Partners in time, there was a lot of old Mario music in that just, you know, literal, literally right. melodies ripped out of other games, like Yoshi's Island and stuff like that, and uh, this doesn't do that.
1: Yeah, really. actually we didn't talk too much about the music, strangely enough uh, on that episode, <laughs> I, I, I kind of regret what I wound up talking about, but yeah, it's, it's I mean, that's absolutely true, I mean, um, I think it's a little darker, it's a little less chippy than than Mario & Luigi Partners in Time yeah. and, and part of it's because, like, while well, you're inside Bowser and whatever, and there's also a really neat mechanic where they have, like, two versions of the song, one for when you're going as Bowser in one oh, yeah. in Bowser and so and yeah so, the sort of
0: echoey bassier version
1: so that's, real, that's a really cool effect so, I think
0: there, um, was, there was one interesting thing I read Chris Kohler's take on this for Wyatt and, and you know he was saying that you know sort of all well and good but there's almost a point where its status as an RPG is kind of incidental that traditionally important aspects of an rpg you know the equipment for instance and things like that you know are sort of so trivial in this that it's almost kind of doesn't make all that much sense to still have some of these trappings of the rpg uh, genre because they are kind of irrelevant i mean is that something that you agree with johnny as someone who actually plays a lot more rpgs than i do I think
5: it's a very interesting point. I'm not far enough in the game that I could really feel comfortable agreeing or disagreeing with that. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, certainly in Partners in Time, I felt like the RPG stuff was really kind of a detriment to it towards the end because the enemies were only challenging because of the statistical gulf. Yes, And um, and so you either had to grind or you had to spam special attacks, yeah, you know, to yeah. make it through the battles, just because you weren't nearly powerful enough. And actually, one one thing that I'm doing differently with with uh, Bowser's Inside Story is that I'm, you know, when you get when you get a level up, it gives you a choice of something mm-hmm. you can boost a little extra, yeah, so you can sort of customize your stats a little bit or the growth of your stats. I'm putting them all in power. Pretty much, mm, I did I figure, a lot
0: too. Yeah,
5: yeah. I mean, with all the counter attacks and everything, the battles will be over a lot faster if I just do that. And all the other stuffs kind of—it you know, does feel like that's important.
0: a lot more valuable than defense because ideally right. the defense stat isn't going to come into play that much because you're going to dodge the attacks altogether. Whereas right. you're always right. going to be hitting them. You know, that's so. There's definitely a sort of value in in putting it all in your attack power. But mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose. It could feel more RPG-ish. I mean, I'm fine with it not feeling that much like an RPG because I'm not a big RPG person, but I, I, it could feel a bit more like that if it wasn't quite as as linear, you know, because it, if you had a bit more freedom to go off the beaten path, and the thing is you could plausibly fight off-the-curve, difficult enemies because if you were skillful enough, even if they did relatively a lot of damage, you could still beat them.
5: Right but they never really give you that
0: option. No, they don't. No. Because there it's, are
5: very few side quests, too.
0: No, it's, it's very yeah, rigidly I, structured. Yeah. And in general, I like that because I'm not an RPG person. But you're know, thinking about what Cole is saying, I think if they wanted to kind of address that in the future, maybe introducing a bit more freedom would be one way to do it, but perhaps I think that would compromise the sort of tightly honed nature of the I, game.
1: I, I agree. I yeah. think that... That's one of the biggest differences between the Mario and Luigi series and say like the Paper Mario type series. Paper Mario has a lot of little things you can do mm. in terms of side quests well, it, all, you know, and, and It's
5: interesting that you guys are saying this because I think actually one thing I've noticed just today playing the new one is that it's it feels like there's actually a little more space to explore. I mean, you go into a like there is for, more. with Bowser especially, you kind of go into a region, you're now now you're at the beach, now you're at the forest, and the game doesn't really tell you what to do next or where to go. And it feels like in the old, in the um, in the previous games, uh, the Mario and Luigi series, that it, it was a little more directed. And I, I'm actually kind of enjoying the feeling that I, I'm in a new area with Bowser, and I just kind of have to walk around and see what's here.
0: Yeah, and just I mean, sort of, I think sort
5: of figure it out. So I mean, it's it is linear, but it. it it gives you some space. It's a
0: bit less explicitly directed, I think, is is what yeah, it does, yeah. and yeah. and also you will notice exploring with Bowser things that you think, ah, oh, I'm going to be back here with Mario and Luigi later, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. So there there is some. Things that you can re-explore right. and pick up a few little things, but kind of go back to Cola's point. Some of these things, like you know, you find a, a nice bit of equipment, like you know, that you, you effectively like a bit of armor. So you know, the equivalent of that, you know, so those are kind of nice things to find, but th- in terms of their functionality it says how, but to improve your battling they don't really matter very much because of the way right. the game's structured so
5: yeah and the, and that stuff hasn't really been a huge element of these games unless you go all the way back to super mario rpg yeah i feel like in that game when you got a new weapon it made a big difference yeah i
0: think that's what he's saying really, is sort of commentary on the mm. on the on the on the whole sub series up to this point and that this is kind of just the most you know, full expression of that yet Um, Well, that'll do it for new business we're going to come back in the next segment with more of your listener mail Uh, so join us after the break here's
5: a quick look at the best original content at our website now playing at nintendoworldreport.com
0: as November begins, NWR is set to prepare you for the holiday season with plenty of Nintendo coverage. First, we continue our Developer Diary series with Metaverse Studios, where Jesse Lowther provides two entries discussing the origins of his desire to create games, as well as the mistakes that were made during the development of Gravitronics.
3: Also check out our review of Dirt 2 for the
5: DS, which Matt Blunden calls a great addition to the Nintendo DS library.
4: Zach Miller and Mike Gammon also provide some entertaining blogs this week. Zach shows off a new part of his wardrobe, and Mike discusses why Nintendo doesn't, quote, get it in regards to the newly announced DSI-LL.
0: As usual, don't forget about our other podcast, the NWR Newscast, featuring the return of Neil Ronaghan, and Radio Trivia, with this week's guest, our own James Jones. See you next week! Welcome back to the second half of the show. We're now going to get into your list of mail, and, Zach, you have the first letter.
3: Oh, I do indeed. Adolf Vega in Denton, Texas, writes, Is Pikmin 2 with Wii controls ever releasing in the USA? It's kind of a tease that Nintendo released the original Pikmin, but Pikmin 2, which is vastly superior, is nowhere to be found. I heard that Nintendo gave up on new play control games for NA, or North America, but does that mean Pikmin 2 will never release?
1: Well, uh, for one, uh, I disagree. I think Pikmin 1 is a much better game than Pikmin yeah, 2. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh tonight.
4: no, 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 no! I am opposite of you on this. I uh, I <laughs> agree with the uh, with Adolf Vega. Pikmin 2 is a better game.
1: Uh, well, uh,
0: well, we'll uh, perhaps we shall get to that in short order then. Uh, but uh, I, I certainly have some thoughts on it. But it is an interesting question about whether Pikmin 2 is going to come to North America because it has come out in Europe already. I think it came out in about April. So hmm. I think basically what happened was is we had swapsies on that and Excitebots. And <laughs> having already played Pikmin 2, I know, which I would have preferred to come to the PAL territories. But it's, it is curious that uh, they didn't really uh, you know follow up on that. I mean, maybe they looked at the sales or the sales didn't really have anything to do with it. They just thought it was kind of overkill to do both.
5: So I have a crazy theory. I'm thinking that the first Pikmin... Wii remake uh, did not do that well, sales wise, in North America. I don't see why it would have. So, this might sound un Nintendo like, but, you know, we know that there's a Pikmin 3 being made. If it is indeed for Wii and not for DS or something like that, Uh, if, if Pikmin 3 is a Wii game and it's coming out sometime in 2010, maybe Nintendo will just include Pikmin 1 and 2 on the disc and release it as Pikmin Trilogy or. Pikmin 3 Bonus Edition or, what, or Collector's Edition or whatever. I think you have too much faith in Nintendo. Well, but what does it really cost them to do it?
4: That would be my favorite disc for Wii.
0: Yeah,
5: if they're not going to release it anyway by itself, yeah. if they got room on the disc,
0: throw it on there. I'm looking at the argument about is it overkill to release, but why not just release the two in as one volume as they did with, with Metroid Prime? In the Mm -hmm. first place, you know, leaving aside whether it would be bundled with a new game, couldn't they have just bundled the two old games together, at least? Right, that's a good point. You know, could have sold it at full price, you know, rather than the budget price, because it's two games in one, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe, maybe it would have fared better. I'm not sure, but certainly it's another one of the sort of a number of cases this year where Nintendo of America had different ideas from Europe and Japan because we had, uh, was it another code or trace memory was another example of that. There was quite a divergence this year, it seemed like...
5: Chibi Robo, of course,
0: also.
4: Yeah, Chibi Robo.
0: Play Control, which is just in Japan, that has not come out in Europe. Mm. Um, you know, it seems like they, they were left to their own devices about how they want, what they wanted to take and how they wanted to spread out. And Nintendo of America, probably, you know, with the exception of, the, of Excitebots, kind of were the, were the least proactive of the three. Shocking. Um so I guess we'll we'll, may as we'll as we teased it, we may as well go on to the uh, the Pikmin versus Pikmin Two uh, <laughs> issue. So Andy, you know, you were you were making the case for the sequel being superior. What what would be the major factor for you in that?
4: I will say that the the indoor or the underground elements of Pikmin Two are far too prevalent in the game, and yes, they are yeah. the least interesting part of the game. Too much. But I
1: win. The- oh,
0: <laughs> 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 I don't mind the I don't mind them existing. I don't mind them being in the game. I just I mind them quite a lot to the extent that they're in it. You know, they're right. And they're they frustrating. The
3: majority of the game.
0: I would say it probably is the majority of the game if if you really are playing it very thoroughly, certainly. It, it you know yeah. it, it kind of becomes more of it as you go. Uh, and, and it really is not you know, for me the essence of Pikmin is you know being you know, these small characters in this in this sort of very overgrown world, and you don't get that sense in those black sort of abstract caves at right. all. Really, uh, right. you lose it, the the primary it, essence. of well, the Well, you also
1: lose the uh, uh, well-crafted areas to explore, and yeah,
4: but those but those elements are still exist in Pikmin 2. The, the overworld yeah. areas in Pikmin 2 are, are very, very good. And oh, I think so. I think, I, I think the overworld areas in Pikmin 2 are, are better than they are in Pikmin 1. Not that Pikmin well, 1 is... Maybe they are, but they're overshadowed.
0: Yes, yeah, so th- that's the problem. I mean, this is this issue. Is you know, you could take an approach of saying, "Well, we're giving people more content of some kind. You know, maybe it's a bit stretched out, but it's more content. That's good, right?" Well, yeah,
1: that, that that's the that's the Japanese RPG uh, yeah, theory the, of extending the value, the, of the a padding, game. Mm-hmm. and I yeah. don't
0: I don't really th- I think in this case, perhaps to a modest extent, but it is to the detriment of the overall package. Just a little bit of trimming, a little bit of restraint by. Have served the the better. I mean, one thing I think was better in Pikmin 2 was some of the the boss type encounters that you had. There was more of them. They were more varied. They were more complicated. And there was when because you had those sprays where you could power up your Pikmin. There was a kind of nice tactical element in that. You know, you could really kind of pick a time to. Launch a sort of devastating assault when you when you powered them up. So it, it kind of made it a bit more tense because if you if you blew that, if you used your spray and then kind of whiffed on getting the Pikmin on there and and killing them really fast, that kind of <laughs> shot the whole battle to hell. So it was a it was a yeah. a nice development of that part of the game. And had that been. More of it, I think it really would have been a, a superior sequel.
5: And you had the two new Pikmin types, which added a lot to the tactics that you could yeah you know, that, that were at yeah, your those disposal. Two, yeah, they
0: were nice. you know, and they
5: were very valuable, so you didn't want to lose
4: them. But at the same time, if you don't use them, you yeah,
0: know. you have got to put them in harm's way. Yeah, you no, know, the you the,
4: the first Pikmin had a great had a great sense of discovery uh, with Olamar on on the abandoned planet, and you don't have that quite as much in, in the second Pikmin. But what what you do have, sort of as a maybe as a surrogate to that, is you have that really great encyclopedia of treasure that you find, and every one of them has a really cool explanation uh, as to what you know how how they interpret finding a Pepsi Cola cap or, or yeah. a screwdriver. And there's a lot of really, really good writing in that. Yeah, some of the
0: names as well. There's a lot of amusing stuff that the I would assume the treehouse people put into that, you know, really nice sort of effort on the back end really. Is very it is it is very much appreciated. And I also liked the fact that you could have the the two characters separate little squads of Pikmin and sort of switch between the two and you know, achieve things at once so you, sort of, you, know, you, still had the, you didn't have the, the limit on the number of days before the game ended but you still had the day-night cycle so you had a limited amount of time in a given day to do stuff and so you wanted to multitask and get as much done as possible although it certainly wasn't as urgent as it was before and having the two characters let you do that in a different way than you did before so I, I like that and obviously in the future let's hope they actually extend that to actual co-op
4: did any of mm. you guys ever play the the multiplayer mode in Pikmin 2?
0: Only at E3, I think.
4: I played it a little bit with a friend of mine, uh, and I gotta say it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was sort oh, of yeah. limited, there wasn't a lot to it, but we had a really good time, you know, the one the one or two hours that we spent on that. I, I toyed
0: with it and, and I, I I thought it could deserved quite a bit of potential, but it's not a good game for split screen.
4: Oh, absolutely no, not. No, it wouldn't be.
0: I think it's not the most obvious thing of like it's add online to Mario Kart. Let's add online to Smash Brothers, but I think Pikmin really is just you know, there's so many reasons why it would make sense to do it. I I, I oh, hope they, I hope they go in that direction, but it just I you know some of the attitudes they show around like new Super Mario Brothers Wii and all that, which I <laughs> accept is you know definitely preferably a local experience. I accept that. Sure, but the kind yeah. of expressed disinterest in online kind of makes you think they probably, you know, a product coming out of EAD is unlikely to have any kind of major component uh, of that when it's, a, when it's a Pikmin type game.
5: Yeah, and it does seem like Pikmin in 3 is being made at EAD. Mm. That's, we don't know for 100%, but a lot of comments from Miyamoto have kind of yeah. indicated that, you know, he goes, he looks at Pikmin every day, and he talks to the guys who are working on it, and I don't know, I mean, they do they do have a lot of remote development, you know, with Places like Retro Studios and uh, the Tokyo... Yeah, or, uh, and they could be know, collaborating like that,
0: with someone else. Or, you know, I mean, they there's, could be. There's, there's many combinations of that. So, But yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's what they've alluded to. So far, to.
5: there's no reason to believe it's not being made by essentially the same people who made the first two.
0: That's good news to me. That's yeah.
5: my most anticipated yep. game for Wii right now. It's still a big mystery.
0: I mean, probably we Speak, too much to ask, I'm going <laughs> <So, laughs> well, to guess. If perfectly. they do online, it
5: absolutely has to have Yeah, it has to support. have it, but... Let's that's we Speak? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, we can't what... speak. Well, again, I mean, <laughs> well, they did put it in Endless Ocean 2 in Japan, so there's some hope, I guess.
1: <laughs> I don't know, Nintendo is not terribly consistent with that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, you absolutely
0: know. not. Yeah. No, that, that, that is true, certainly. Know. Okay, well, TYP, you have... the next
1: letter all right Oni Aisu writes hey guys great show last week why thank you yeah. <laughs> god knows what week that actually was <laughs> have you guys seen the Mario Wii skills video on the Nintendo channel oh yeah no. Yeah. Uh, I mean that is some outrageous stuff do you think these types of crazy stunts attract people into playing games especially Mario games in different ways I mean, I saw the video and I was blown away by the coordination, especially when it's dual and triple people stunts. Yeah, I, I saw that video on the Nintendo
5: channel. I'm sure it's still there. What and, is it? Uh, I thought it was great. It's called New Super Mario Brothers Wii Super Skills. And I think it's the, basically the, I don't know if it's a demo attract mode, but it's it, a bit like it, that Miyamoto, yeah, the kind of thing. Yeah, Miyamoto referenced this as being, they included some videos in the game um, so you can actually watch their high-level testers play mm-hmm. through it and maybe give you some ideas of it. a little bit like the ones in Jungle Beat if you yes. remember J-
0: Jungle um, Beat yeah. I mean those were really good I mean they, they were they very they teach you how
2: to play the game properly. yeah because so, the thing right. with Jungle
0: Beat is that it takes especially if you haven't necessarily read up really rigorously on how the game works or gone in depth with that stuff it, it kind of that game opens up in terms of oh right you know all these yeah. combinations all the, the mm-hmm. different things that you could do to really uh, accelerate your scores or exponentially
5: and it especially helped me because i was playing it in japanese so there were actual yeah. mechanics in the game that i didn't know about so. yeah I, <laughs> I
0: did i did that too and of i I, agree, I think that's really cool obviously this sort of stuff with what just to sort of give a bit more explanation you know sort of chaining bopping uh, cooper troopers on the head to get crazy amounts of one ups or mm-hmm. doing stuff with Yoshi, all this, you know, it's, it's it's not as integral to the game as the stuff in the, the Jungle Beat videos, but it's like showing you what is possible.
5: I think the point of the video is to stir up the faithful, you know, yes. it's, a, it's to grab hold of jaded Nintendo fans who say, I don't really care about their crappy new DS on Wii game or like whatever <laughs> you know you hear a lot of cynical stuff about this game and i think this video is aimed at those people who you know who kind of say well it's going to be too easy cuz it's four player and nintendo doesn't care about the hardcore anymore and i think it it's pretty obvious that nintendo's trying to show that yeah, yeah. hey guys it's, it's
0: kind of harkening back to stuff like the the hundred lives trick in the original and stuff like mm-hmm. that you know kind of showing these mm-hmm. little you know for people that, that like to do stuff like that with their games you know just t- Test them,
3: stretch them, and break them. Even. I feel like I should be a lot more excited about new Super Mario Brothers Wii than I actually am. Well, I,
1: I'm in the I'm in the same boat, Zach.
3: I feel
5: like, and I and I agree. I mean, I feel the same way. It's hard to believe that a new Mario game is coming out in two weeks, but it, it hasn't really hit me yet, and I I don't know exactly why that is. But I have a very strong feeling that once I get it home and start playing it, I'm going to go crazy for it.
4: And mm. and watching that video really confirm that you know it seems to me they intentionally pulled the exact same aesthetic from the ds game which i think has a lot to do with the the lessened interest it is a purposed
0: recreation i mean it's you know as i recounted when i played it at the event in london it is precisely recreated down to which enemies are polygonal and which enemies are sprites Huh. I mean, it's you know, yeah. because the Goombas in the DS game were not polygonal, but the Koopa Troopers were, yeah. right? Same thing in this. I mean, it's it's that close, and so you know, I, I guess they are. Yeah, because New Super Mario Bros. DS was this huge success, they think, well, you know, we want to to make it very clear on a sort of, you know, maybe almost like a subconscious level when people look at it that this is the same thing but expanded for Wii and multiplayer.
5: But at the same time, I mean, I think the Super Skills video really kind of showcases the differences yeah well the cho- well i think
0: that part of it is is like you said this is the almost like their sort of uh, differential kind of marketing coming yeah, yeah. and you know it's on the nintendo channel and that's going to be mostly people that download stuff off virtual console and all you know it's that kind of audience that they're talking to with it although one thing it made me think of is especially in relation to smash brothers is wouldn't it be nice to be able to save replays you know, if, if oh, yeah. some sort of grand calamity happened mm. with the four people. That was just hilarious. I mean, wouldn't <laughs> that be fun? To say? Certainly. I mean, Smash Brothers. I've got hundreds of replays right. of abject stupidity.
3: Mm-hmm. 20, minutes, 20 minutes of James as Yoshi spitting people into pits yeah well you know that
0: might be that, that sounds like something that they might use for torture <laughs> but, uh, I think there's bound to be times when you play multiplayer when something happens and it's like can you believe that just happened and it yeah. would be great to save it but and you know they did it in Smash Brothers so yeah. I would have thought it'd be fairly practical but I can only assume there's, there's no such feature in there which I think is a shame
5: yeah, and it's especially odd given that they did it in Wii Music. Oh yeah. Oh. yeah.
1: Well, it, it, and the fact that they have this—I well, forget what they call it—but this this play the game for you I'm, I'm sorry, That's I'm not super-galic. keeping up. I am not keeping up with the news. What can I say?
3: The green oh. block of hope. <laughs> but it seem, it
1: seems like. <laughs> That's sort of almost like there's a functionality of rec- being able to record off of the game built into it. Yeah, that's true. So it seems like they—that's could- a tool they have already. It's a question. Right. Of- I
0: mean, you could go further, couldn't you? you know, sort of almost like saving a ghost of a playthrough. Obviously. Right. Yeah. Or of your own ghost. Wow. You know, like-
5: that would be fun. I would. What if they turn SuperGuide into a
3: community feature? That'd be cool.
2: Yeah.
0: You download someone else's playthrough to teach you how to do it, <laughs> or to
3: yeah. challenge you to do it better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Why not? That's the
0: thing. It seems like they they could have uh, you know could have gone quite a bit further with some of these things, but they kind of they kind of held back and especially anything to do with online interaction. It just seems like they they seem to think this is too much of a mainstream product essentially. No, no, no. We don't have the power for that. Well, uh, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was some of the rationalisation
3: offered. Yeah, a nice admission of guilt there. I did this to you. (laughs) I
0: mean, who knows? Who knows how difficult it actually is to get the weed to do it well? But I think that's the point: is that to do it well, it would take time and effort, and that's time and effort that they're not willing to expend because they don't see they don't see the return on that investment being worth it. All right, well, I'm going to uh, get on to the next letter. This is Ryan in Alaheim, California. And he writes, When a game is called a multi-platform release, it usually means 360 and PS3, <laughs> not Wii. <laughs> Sounds an awful lot like last generation when the phrase for all major platforms actually meant for all major platforms that are not the GameCube. <laughs> Aside from a few exceptions, GameCube was neglected in the way of multi-platform releases. Half the time, those exceptions ended up being poor ports, inferior to even the PS2 versions. Considering the GameCube had superior hardware to the PS2. There was no excuse for these bad ports other than developer laziness and disinterest in making a good version for the cube. Eventually we didn't even get bad ports and the reason cited was the lack of install base. Wii doesn't have an install-based problem, but it does have inferior hardware, the primary reason we're told why it doesn't get a multi-platform games today. I have a feeling, however, that there's always going to be an excuse not to release games on a Nintendo console. Do you believe there's a kind of unspoken dislike for Nintendo in the industry? Fanboys have no problem vocalising their feelings, but someone working for a company that does business with Nintendo is not able to voice their dislike. What I'm saying is that the Wii is the victim of passive-aggressive third-party development. Either we don't get games when we should, or we get bad games that were never intended to be good... Maybe that's crazy talk. I hear it said that nobody sets out to make a bad game, but it seems like few set out to make good games for Wii. I honestly believe there's an anti-Nintendo culture in the industry. I'm not saying that it exists everywhere, since there are a few developers who strongly support Nintendo. However, many don't, and I believe
3: never will. I think this is is correct. What a letter. (laughs) I have three things right off the bat. The first is, the GameCube saw tons and tons and tons of third-party ports. I think that was 99% of its software library, PS2 and, and Xbox third-party ports of other games. Now, mm-hmm. Ports and multi-platform releases, you mean, right? Right.
5: Yeah. And many of them were inferior and even after the other versions.
1: In their defense, though, if the game was developed for the PS2 or the Xbox, although Wii is more powerful than the PS2, it had less RAM, significantly less RAM, which for a lot of developers was a key constraint, especially when they're using these like Unreal Engine-type tools with middleware that they're kind of memory hogs, so...
0: There's always issues about what the lead platform is as well, isn't it? It's like, yeah. as we said, you know, you cool. can get these unbelievable-looking games on PS3, but very often the multi-platform games perform worse on PS3, because the 360 is the lead skill, and there are some peculiarities in the differences between the two platforms, and then the one it was intended for is is, is generally going to come out the best.
4: Well, it's a, it's a classic chicken-and-egg chicken and scenario, you know? They don't put games on the Wii because games on the Wii don't sell, and they don't sell because they don't put the resources in to make them properly and you know it's really hard to tell where, where the, the chicken starts and the yeah, egg begins. Yeah, the,
0: the, there isn't really the easily identifiable sort of linear causality to it. So it's interesting what Ryan's saying because he say, well, you know, there's this big fundamental difference between the GameCube and the Wii when they came out in the sense that GameCube was was, was you know pretty well powerful, you know, it didn't have any severe deficiencies in that area, you know, and he had stuff like right. Resident Evil 4 would come out on it and would be, you know, very, very impressive. Yeah. And, and indeed came out on PS2 with a sort of somewhat inferior yeah throat. it was very yeah. inferior uh, whereas of course Wii is instantly very underpowered and he's drawing this common thread that says you know it goes beyond whatever technical peculiarities is there's just something about right. Nintendo platforms that creates this problem that and the, and the something
5: thing. is that Nintendo totally hogs the market share for their software releases. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what it is. I, I don't agree with Ryan that uh, developers in the industry hate Nintendo or they secretly hope their Wii ports fail or anything weird like that. Um, the fact of the matter is that a lot of companies don't want to release games on Nintendo platforms because they believe with a lot of evidence to support this claim that only Nintendo's games sell on Nintendo's platforms. And there are precious few exceptions to that.
3: I mean, look at Dead Space Extraction. That's a wonderful game that EA put a lot of time and effort into, or Viserial Games, a lot of time and effort into. High production values, great-looking game. Nobody bought it. Hmm. Well, but
1: I heard it wasn't the same game that people wanted, though, right? What did people want? They knew what it
3: was right off the bat.
5: There there are a lot of issues for extraction. It was really I mean we knew when they first announced it it was going to be a hard sell because the original Dead Space was not a big hit either. No, I mean it exactly. was uh, like, it was kind of a clunker uh, even on the HD consoles and then with extraction you're you're dealing with a prequel to it so you're really kind of marketing it to an already small user base who are familiar with that series on different platforms. I mean, the problem with Extraction is that the original Dead Space didn't come out on Wii, and Extraction isn't coming out on the HD systems. They're completely separate, and yet... Because it's a franchise game, it's sort of depending on the cachet of the fan base of people who did actually play the first game. Yeah, it, it's a mess. I mean, it, it's a mess. And well,
0: I mean, it it seems to me part and parcel of this whole you know cross media Dead Space project. You know, I mean, it's like yeah, you know, that's true. did they yeah, know, that's know that people wanted to watch the the anime of Dead Space or the comics of Dead Space or whatever? Yeah, you know, before I mean, you know, they were trying to. Do everything at once and kind of yeah. re- everything reinforces everything else. In terms of this is new, but it, it's somehow significant because it's, uh, you know, did, what the square call it polymorphic content or something? Oh, something <laughs> I, I gotta tell
5: you, I've been I've been doing this game industry thing a long time, and I've seen it so many times. Anytime yeah. you go to a company presentation or even hear them talk about it, and they're launching a new franchise and it's going to be multi pronged. We're going to do the movies. We're going to have a TV show. We're going to have comics. We're going to have online stuff. Uh, we're going to have different games and different genres. Uh, we're planning yep. it as a trilogy across two different hardware generations. I just raise my hand and say, bullshit, you might <laughs> want to put out the first game and see how it does right. before you... That's what happened to that Advent Rising game, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, too human?
4: Too human is, yeah.
1: Yeah, mm. I think a lot of people look at the whole Pokemon thing. I mean, po- people yeah. look at the Pokemon phenomenon like, oh, we got to do that. But the thing is... They knew it was going to be success based on japan i mean yeah so it japan, already the game came it. out first and then they had more by the time it came to america they were able to release it all at once knowing that it's a product that has a lot right. of appeal yeah. Cool. yeah in
5: america a lot of people don't even realize that pokemon was the game first yeah because in america they released it concurrently with the trading card and the show True.
1: right so so it's like these companies are are, are making an incorrect assumption up front on how, how how to be able to do this
0: yeah they already had the knowledge that it could do this that it, that it had done it in a different market in a organic way and then they could kind of force it everywhere else and, and, and The gamble something.
5: there was crossing the cultural divide and you know a, a lot of people myself included didn't think it would work as well in America as it did in Japan and I was blown away that it that it did.
3: It's the universal appeal of collecting shit
4: I can think of very few examples where a, a game was developed on a platform maybe you guys can help me out with this a game developed for a platform ported to another platform after the fact and did better, uh, either either commercially or critically than it did on the original platform. And I guess oh. what I'm getting at with this is there there is a fundamental risk to making your lead platform uh, GameCube uh, or Wii, and that's just that with GameCube there was the problem of of install base, and it w- it was a real problem. You can't say that's an excuse; that's a real problem. And with Wii, the problem is that you know if if you're catering to an audience that likes high-definition graphics, and online play, then you can't make your lead platform the system that doesn't have those things. That's
2: true.
0: They're, they're very real concerns, and and, and, and as you said, there is an element of it that's, the, you know, that that's a self-fulfilling prophecy as well. That you know, Say for instance, multi-platform owners you know, that have an, an HD console or both, and a Wii, the more that the developers don't really think that those people are going to buy... We, games are we. The more those people become disinterested in what's coming out on we. So even if you right. do have something good coming out that would appeal to them hypothetically, they're just not tuned into it. They're not interested. They've they, they've they've sure. and so. Those things will then bomb and then reinforce the impression that you know, and, and so it goes on. And it, it is it's a vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle. It is an equilibrium. And and I think <laughs> I think I think Johnny, you know, is right that the thing that's always going to kick off that vicious circle is the perception that you're fighting an uphill battle from the start because Nintendo has these legions of people that buy their consoles. But
5: oh, and it's even worse with Wii because Nintendo actually put one of their own games in the. Box. Box.
0: yeah so you're
5: already you're you're already disadvantaged if and you're in fact, party. i mean
0: the argument would be with we is that where you've seen better inroads made with third parties. Is not the longer-term gamers. It's the new people that Nintendo have brought in that mm. uh, are not, you know, so obsessed with brand or characters or franchises that they're not going to buy EA sports Active or something like that. You know, they're quite happy to go or, or, or Tiger or whatever. I mean, you know, some of those games that have been successful um, have been primarily with with the new set that aren't the the, the loyalists, right. you know, the, the, yeah. of Nintendo. So I think. That's another factor, you know, that that maybe the the only people that these third parties think they can sell to on the Wii is an audience completely separate from the people that would have owned a GameCube as well.
1: I'd argue there's a little mm. more I wouldn't say it's a direct uh dislike of Nintendo. I mean, like Johnny said, but I I think there's one issue we didn't bring up is that uh, in addition to being disadvantaged, Nintendo is first and foremost interested in what's good for Nintendo. Yes. And you, you've seen it a lot of times in terms of you know what technologies the Wii is supporting. They're not interested in doing online, so okay, online is an after-thought after, after yeah. the thought thing. Uh, oh, we released this peripheral, but Nintendo is not interested in using it, so it's not going to be supported well anywhere, and they're not providing whatever infrastructure in terms of drivers are necessary to support that, apparently. Well,
3: that's the point I was going to bring up. Let's say that I want to make a game like Dead Space. I go into a meeting room and say, I want to make this game, I want it to be, you know, really scary, atmospheric, high production values, and I want to make it on the Wii. And people will say, you can't. You know, so, so I think there's, it's not the third parties don't like the Wii, it might be that the kind of game people want to make will be crippled on the Wii.
0: Yeah, it won't right. be all that it can be, and then it, you've right. got to ask yourself, well, why, why, why is this on wit? You know, right. you you got to justify it, uh, you know, creatively and then commercially, and those are two different hoops to jump through.
5: Yeah,
0: I mean, I think. Outside of the the obvious stuff like the motion control stuff, what right. we have seen what we have seen is 2D games kind of take up a little bit of a foothold on Wii because mm-hmm. it's it, the development environment is kind of uh, more you know in that kind of cost range and all those sorts of things. And I guess we'll have to see if that retains commercial viability with stuff like Muramasa and Boy and His Blob and so forth. Well,
3: 2D games do really well on the Wii because you can do all the art direction shit you want on that console.
5: I certainly think Mario's going to be successful. Oh, well, Mar- Mar- yeah, Mario mean, certainly certainly <laughs> well,
3: but but
0: Whether the, the more niche stuff will, will be... You know, it doesn't have to be huge. Far from it. It just has to be profitable. But, you know, if it were to sell as poorly as Dead Space Extraction, uh, presumably... Right. Or...
3: Uh, or, sadly, Wario Land well, Shake It. Beautiful game. Well, well, very Well, fun. that sold. Yeah.
0: That did sell, like, I think, hundreds of thousands of copies worldwide.
3: Okay. Well,
5: it was probably, uh, you know, a cut-even or... A, a modest yeah, profit. Modest oh, okay, yeah. But, I
0: mean, that's another thing about Nintendo, of course, when we talk about the, the lead platforms and this sort of thing. They are a ruthlessly bottom-line company. Yes. And and sure. so, you know, when you get the case of where Soul Calibur 2 sells best on GameCube and then Soul Calibur 3 does not appear on GameCube, that's because Sony were willing to throw the money and Nintendo were not. I mean, you know, th- th- that is another element in play that Nintendo generally does not tend to chase around stuff. I mean, you had Resident yeah, Evil.
5: I mean, look, Microsoft has spent
0: oh, hundreds the of, millions of
5: dollars stuff. for ex- for exclusives, oh, uh, you know, yeah. they they've published tremendous amounts of third party support. Um, you know, they they paid for the Grand Theft Auto DLC stuff. Mm. They've done uh, Mass Effect. You know, they they go to these huge developers and they say, "We we want to pay you to publish an original game on our system."
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and
5: they've done it time and time again. They've been very successful with it. In fact, and uh, Nintendo doesn't really do that.
0: I think, well, I think the the GameCube is a turning point in that regard as well, because we talked about the Soul Calibur example there. But you know you think about some of the things they did do with Resident Evil and stuff, and I guess maybe they felt that didn't turn out as well as they hoped. Well, Beautiful
5: Joe, too. Well, all those games came out on PS2, eventually.
0: (laughs) And obviously the GameCube did not end up doing any better in the overall install base as a result and all this sort of stuff, and and some of the experiments, like working with Sega on F-Z or GX, didn't necessarily pan out commercially that well. It seems like they've kind of dug in more now.
1: Absolutely. Nintendo is a very insular company in a lot of respects, and, and that goes for wheeling and dealing.
0: They've gone more so now, and, and, and of course the fact that they've you know done so well with the Wii and DS very much doing their own thing is only kind of, there I invoke a bit of Dick Cheney language, emboldened them to be <laughs> more, uh, you know, like, we know what we're doing, we don't need anyone else, and, you know, so I don't really see an end to this cycle anywhere Yeah, that inside. was sort
4: of the question that I was going to propose is, is this is this going to be a a permanent thing? What could what could yes. change the current culture?
5: Well, okay, I mean maybe this partially answers your question, Andy. I, I think one of the main reasons that third party games don't do as well on Nintendo platforms is as uh, as Nintendo games do, is, you know, I mean, Nintendo, you could say they have a, a built-in advantage, maybe, especially yeah. when they're including games with the hardware, they've got their own games on the back of the box and all that, but really, the main difference, I mean, beyond the first couple of games, you know, why do people keep going back and buying more Nintendo games? Is it the characters? I think, in this generation, it's harder to say that, because, you know, some of Nintendo's most successful games... Don't have any familiar characters in them, Mm. and 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 I I think what it comes down to is Nintendo puts more money into developing these games because you know they don't have to consider making HD versions or you know they don't have to worry about the PS3 skew, whatever.
3: Are you talking about Wii Sports, Wii Fit, that kind of game?
5: Yeah, Mario Kart Wii, uh, all of it. Um, What I'm saying is that there is no, and I'm saying this, I say unequivocally, there is no third party putting the development focus resources into making Wii games as Nintendo is. And moreover not even close to the marketing budget. No. And, um, no absolutely. Not yeah, I mean, even is, close. I yeah. mean, you, you can say that, you know, things, something like Wii Fit Plus is maybe not the most ambitious thing, and Nintendo probably didn't spend much money making it. They're going to spend plenty of money marketing absolutely. it. Absolutely. you don't see that from any other company, even no. the ones who actually do put a lot of resources into making their Wii games, and they seem to be very proud of their Wii games, and their Wii games are high quality. Even then... They do not promote them at all. I mean, Capcom farted out spyborgs after three years of making uh-huh. it, going through development hell, rejiggering it. How many people gave a fuck in the in the final scheme of things? And then they dropped the price after two weeks. Well, they, they had to because no one knew that it existed. I I read the forum threads when the when the price dropped and everybody's like I didn't even know it was out.
2: Yeah, <laughs> either, and that's been honestly. all of
5: Capcom's Wii games. Uh, Namco, Konami. I mean, they release games on Wii, but they don't tell anybody about yeah. them. It's like they just it's the install base is huge, so people will just buy it, right?
3: And then they and then they're surprised or, or disappointed when it doesn't sell. Well, nobody knew it was yeah. around. Well, but that, but
0: that's the point though. Now you've got a problem where Nintendo is rolling in so much money that they're going to spend so much on marketing and, you know, that that is going to be worth spending. It is going to pay off. That now competing for Mindshare is even more difficult than it was when it was, you know, the sort of lower level Nintendo. Sure. I disagree.
2: This. Of
1: course. Because they're going to advertise for their games on the other systems. What So they make a game for Wii, advertise some, and not a lot. I mean, put up a freaking commercial on a football game or something. I don't know. I mean... Yeah.
5: All I'm saying is, if you want to know how to make a hit Wii game, it's not that hard. Look at how Nintendo does it it's not, I mean, it, it's not that hard. I mean, maybe it's difficult to actually execute, but the formula is right there, plain as day for everyone EA to Sports see. EA Sports Active. And yet, you don't see any other company do it. EA Sports Active is probably the best example. Yeah. But I mean, look at, Do you, anybody remember EA Sports Playground? No. I mean, I, th- this goes back to uh, to what you guys were saying about like how maybe the, the Blue Ocean people who, who are on Wii, they don't really care about the, 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 the loyal publishers, the yeah. old brands. I mean, things like, Game Party 1, 2, and 3, Carnival Games, and DECA Sports 1 and 2 have all outsold EA Sports Playground, which should have been a big contender. It's from a very established publisher. You know, they they put, there's like an achievement system in it. I mean, it's like a pretty full-featured thing, and yet it comes out in the marketplace. Nobody cares that it has EA on it. You know, mm. and plus, I think it
0: was more expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah, it probably would be than some of those more budget titles. But, you know, I just think when you're presented with this situation, there's a few different approaches you can go. Basically, when you've got this, this specter of Nintendo looming, well, for whatever reasons, you know, a lot of publishers are looking at trying to go kind of low investment, low
3: reward.
1: But why push out at the very end? It doesn't make sense. No, in in that's for a true. penny, in for a pound. If you're not going to. Spend the money to market it.
3: Why are you making the game in the first
2: place? Yeah. In some
0: cases, I think you're talking about good old-fashioned mismanagement, where
2: yeah, they've yeah. just basically
0: yeah. completely lost faith and basically just cease applying any effort to just cut their losses and abandon ship essentially, yeah, which is kind of strange because you've already incurred so many costs to up to that point. You know, why not just a few more to give it a shot? You know, but, I know
3: that I I hate to keep going back to spy boards, but that's exactly it. You know, we talked to the guys at E3 who, who developed it. They were all all about the game, and I kind of feel sorry for them because they were so enthusiastic about it. And then they watch as it must be not them making the manage- the, the decision oh, to oh, yeah. put print ads out, and they're saying, they must be pulling their hair out, saying, why why doesn't anyone know about this game? But, but
0: you know, I mean, I mean, it's interesting, you know, because I think from, from the indications is that, you know, Muramasa has sold okay. It's you know it has sold tens of thousands of copies in its first month or sale. That's because
3: it's the base it is playing to knows about it.
0: Yeah, right. I mean they've done well. You know when Ignition picked it up from Exeed, uh, and you know they got Shane Bettenhausen out there, sort of pimping it as much as he could, basically, and and you know did plenty of stuff with uh, with print as well. You know got on the covers of magazines and stuff like that. It sure. just seems like they did they did a good job of capturing the sort of alternative mindshare that right.
3: exists. But I, I, on, what on I'm Wayne. saying is I don't think they really would have needed to do that because the people who buy Maramusa would have known it was coming out for months. I, I I'm not I, sure that's
0: true. It's, that. it's easy to say that, but you know when there's other stuff coming out, it's also easy to just forget. Like maybe there was a yeah. time when you knew, Can but then when lost. it actually comes to it, if you forget, that that is a big problem for publishers because yeah, as true. we know, retail if it doesn't, you know, sink or swim with retail, Early on, and if it's a bomb early, well, then it's like, like as Johnny so lovely put Slash it, you know, this is toxic, get this shit off my shelf <laughs> before it <laughs> poisons everything else. It, it's true. So it is imperative that people remember that right at that particular time, and that does require. A certain kind of, you know, keeping the the foot on the pedal. And I think they did that with Muramasa.
5: And there's a lot of timing involved, too.
0: Timing is definitely an issue, yeah. The other things that happen with the calendar. And so there's luck involved. I mean, there's no doubt about that. All right, well, we'll move on to the final letter of the podcast today. So, Andy, you have this one.
4: Okay, Luca in Italy writes... Hello, guys, and I know it's not Nintendo-related, much like your new business segments lately, so it shouldn't be a problem.
1: Ooh. Oh, snap, Ooh. oh,
4: snap. <laughs> but I've just read about a new Cho and Niki game announced for the PSP.
1: Are you excited, John? Oh. <laughs> wow.
0: that's, why, that's why John isn't on tonight. We couldn't <laughs> sort of contain the level of excitement that would have ensued.
1: He read the email on. and ran outside screaming.
4: He's <laughs> oh in the middle of God. his fireworks display, his Cho <laughs> and Niki-themed fireworks display. <laughs> so I'm basically ordering you to talk about it extensively in the podcast to come. I look forward to your show and three-hour special. In the meantime, keep up the great show. You guys are very funny and interesting to listen to, and I like the fact that the podcast is usually pretty long. Greetings to all, and special greetings to Greg, who keeps up the blue with golden stars flag of our good old Europe, which is starting to shine again after the black we got announced for PAL regions. Just one thing, Greg. <laughs> It, hurt, it hurts a lot to hear a British person use the word soccer.
1: He likes American football, though, so he has to make the
3: distinction.
0: People can't assume when I say football, I mean English football, because oh, I like right. You know, the first, football, in the
3: first question I asked Greg when I met him is, what do they call American football over there? And he said American football.
4: <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> <laughs> that's right. no, pretty much it, or just the
4: NFL. What do they call American American soccer over there? <laughs> Shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that is a synonym for But for <laughs> uh, Yeah. I mean, it, but, yeah, it's not a foreign word it over here, you know, but it's still called pro evolution soccer. Well,
1: uh, I want to go on so. record as they call it soccer in Japan as well. Soccer. It's long, long days.
3: They are very, they are very enthusiastic soccer. Yes,
0: they are, as we saw when they <laughs> hosted the World Cup in 2002 with Korea. That, that was fun. Um, yeah, well, the Black Wii as well. So that's coming out here. Uh, the Black Wii bundle with with Motion Plus and Sports Resort, and that, that's that's what they're bundling it with. It's sort of a big bumper premium pack kind of thing. But the interesting thing is is that they're already selling it. Uh, retailers are selling it below what the just the normal skew was just a couple of months ago. That's weird.
1: What's well, really? to compete with Cho'aniki? What do we know? That's <laughs> 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 oh It's and That PSP goes is uh, threatening.
0: <laughs> no no, uh, so, but so I, d- I think it's got to be a matter of time before they put it in the US now hasn't it with yeah. the sort of softening yeah. of the sales yeah. and everything yeah. I just it'll be interesting to see if they take the same approach in terms of putting it with sports resort or whether they do something else with it
4: I predict in February I guess it's January Yeah, yeah they've February. announced the black remote and the black motion plus and the black nunchuck they just haven't announced yeah. the console to go with well they've got old yeah. classic
0: controller pros coming here as well I don't know whether right. what the situation with that is in North America
4: we're still
5: waiting on that
0: one. Yeah, it's good. I like the classic controller pro. Uh, so, yeah, I can't it, wait to get one uh, it's, it's very nice uh, and uh, as far as Chowaniki goes I, I don't really know the full the full details on what it's going to be like on PSP
5: it's a shooter yeah. uh, much like the original very gaudy graphics very strange art style to it but
0: it's not the uh, the fighting game version or whatever the hell <laughs> no, no, of, no, some no, of the no. crazy
5: it's a, it's a new game and it, I, I read about it on Game Life uh, Chris Kohler's blog of course for Wired and um, I, I believe they are releasing it only as a digital download yeah yeah of course you know you don't have to have a PSP go you can download <laughs> it on an older PSP um, if you have enough storage but uh, it, it is I mean he, Chris made a, a the point in in the article that it's the kind of I mean I think it's the first time a Cho and Ike game has like legitimately been released in America yes that's true other than virtual console yeah as it, an import title. It's kind
1: of like Sin and Punishment, uh, where it's, its distribution costs is, are low enough that there isn't much of a risk. Yeah. So yeah,
5: it. yeah. But I mean, this is the first time they've actually released an original, you know, not, at, not an ancient classic revival yeah. or anything like that. I mean, it's a, it, this is a new Chowaniki game. They're still making them. <laughs> and uh, they're actually releasing it in America. And... It's kind of crazy to think that, that, you know, they're actually going to try to sell this to Americans, and, and not even as a weird in-joke on Virtual Console.
3: All of my problems with scribble knots are remedied by God. <laughs> <Yeah.
5: laughs> if only they could make a Chowiniki
3: edition of Scribblenauts. If Nuts. only.
0: Think of any one of 20,000 words to make the same thing.
4: Yeah, I can know, think of many know.
3: synonyms of the same word.
4: Does this franchise
3: sell well overseas? I do mean, no. it, a, is I don't it think hit? it's ever no, sold
4: well so. anywhere.
3: It, it has
1: a cult following, I guess. I mean, it's a, like a kusoge or whatever it's called. Yeah. So maybe
5: yeah. low, yeah. but
4: consistently low.
0: I think we we need to take partial responsibility for this. <laughs> we've we've, we've fanned the flames. <laughs> Uh, we've created the market, you know, we're like those people... Our, we're
1: ma- Our man Beams paved the way. Yeah, we're, we're Maybe like, we'll be in the special things. Those
0: people that were out there in the wilderness talking about us sin and punishment were so great for all those years, you know, eventually got their day in the sun. Well, this is ours, so enjoy it. <laughs> Although, if you'd cast your minds back to the end of the one episode that we did, which concluded with a squealing at the, uh, <laughs> the digitized <laughs> Joe <and> Ike, uh, <laughs> which was for PlayStation and Saturn... If you're in a position where you can set yourself up with a Japanese PSN account, it is available to download as a PS1 classic, the, uh, the, oh di- the digitized oh graphics version, which is, for my money, way beyond any of the other ones in terms of just yeah. its disturbing oh. uh, element. <laughs> truly, truly horrific. So it's, It is. Uh, Sprite skinning, baby! <laughs> oh, oh yeah.
5: So Greg, what what you're suggesting in terms of uh, RFN's influence is that we've had more success getting games released in America than Starman.net has over the past decade. Exactly. I
0: mean, the, the point is we're declaring victory here, whereas you know, what have they achieved? <laughs> nothing.
1: Absolutely nothing.
5: That's
0: because it?
1: they were trying. They were specifically targeting Nintendo. I mean, that's the problem.
0: Exactly. I mean, you've honest. got you've got to pick your battles. And yeah. you know, while <laughs> Chouiniki may not be as good of a game as uh, Mother 3. Well,
5: that's arguable. Well, I, you know, I mean, it's different strokes <laughs> for different <laughs>
0: folks, obviously.
5: Yeah, and you can't really fairly compare Chowaniki and Earthbound. It's kind of like apples and bananas. Yeah. Oh,
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Arranged in a certain way. Or... I think mainly bananas. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, yeah. I am jumping the shark <laughs> now. <Nah>. So, that is going to end today's show. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed hearing some new voices. Hopefully you going to enjoy checking out the newscast if you haven't done it already and get yourself all topical. If you've got more emails that you want to give to us to feedback, questions, comments and uh, various suggestions for shout-outs for un- overlooked games and so forth, you can contact us at rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. Hopefully we're going to have James and or John back next week as we kick off the <laughs> uh, the Genesis edition of Retroactive with Shining Force 2, so definitely check out the thread there. Download the game if you haven't already, if you're interested. And I guess that is going to finish it up for this week, so thanks for joining us, everyone.
4: Hey, great job, us. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: And goodbye. <laughs>
1: So it's basically an interface connection document going to my engineering guy. Sorry. It's like a it's an engineering <laughs> document on how to build a dinosaur basically.
2: Very well, yes. <laughs> very much
0: so. <laughs> I I recorded is now running fine. Everyone else definitely recorded?
4: Mm-hmm. Uh yep. I have levels. I have levels. That's very, <laughs> very powerful of you nice. to say. <laughs> <laughs>